The return of the Wolfman, Steven Seagal, Super Mario, Winnie the Pooh, and the Brady Bunch? Yes, this week on 30 Welcome everyone to 302010, the Laser Time Network's pop weekly pop culture time machine, each week taking you back through three decades worth of movies, television, news, video games, music, and so very much more. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Uh, who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I'm going to bake your sons into a pie. <laughs> it's me, Sarah. And uh, yes, welcome to 302010, where we explore three decades in a single show, 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Get it? Uh, we're, we'll be talking about February 7th through the 13th through 1990. 2000 and 2010. I didn't mess that up. It's This is like my equivalent of signing checks, which I don't do anymore. Uh, <laughs> Who does? Which is why I haven't uh, paid those fares, those fines for all the tolls I blew on the way <laughs> to and from Orlando. But uh, yes, welcome to 302010. I want to say right off the top, Thank our patrons, patreon.com slash laser time. People like J.R. Rawls, who I just want to say at the top for once, you rule and I love your feedback. And uh, man, uh, I wish you could do the show instead of me sometimes. But um, I, thank- I feel like he does our job for us. Right. And starting all the topics on Facebook of like, hey, does anyone else remember this? I, here's my experience with mm-hmm. it. And, you know, starting the conversation about whatever whatever goofy shit we're talking about. Right. So he is a he is an executive producer via patreon.com slash laser time. That is the method that supports this show and the entire laser time network keeps everybody paid, fat, happy. Neither Ooh. of those usually happens. <laughs> uh, but but it, it, it's something. Reimburses people for their time and expense. Uh, and we do appreciate all of that. And also a big plug for the Laser Time Facebook community. You guys uh, are typically incredibly awesome. And a, just a huge big ups to EP JR Rolls. You rule, buddy. Anyway, 302010, February 17th, uh, 7th through the 13th. Let me, mm-hmm. let me get, that, get that straight. Let's start as we always do in 1990 uh, with a little bit of news. Here's a couple of pieces of news. Uh, communist- little bits of news. Just yeah. teeny tiny drips of news. Yeah, I added something in here. I'm like, oh, this doesn't belong in here. Because <laughs> <But laughs> on the 7th, the Communist Party of the USSR votes to end one-party rule. And Diana will, I hope, explain what that means exactly. Well, there was a time where the Communist Party was in charge, and that's it. We don't have open elections with multiple parties. We have communism, and the Communist Party does communism, and that's it. And following the wave of uh, all these other folks in Eastern Europe, Poland, East Germany, Romania, Czechoslovakia, Mm -hmm. uh, Russia sees the writing on the wall, and they're like, well, we can start transitioning to less hardline communism, but they think it's going to still be communism. And it's, it's the next two years or so are going to be interesting Mm -hmm. but hopeful i mean this is definitely a step forward like do you want to have a socialist party that's a little tightly to the right of communist party yeah you can have one of those now but we'll probably be watching you yeah i know okay and like uh i i I can wrap my head around that Mm -hmm. uh i remember i i said previously when the berlin wall fell i just didn't i had no context for it for some reason this news on the 11th South Africa frees Nelson Mandela after 27 years in prison. Right in time for Black History Month. Uh, there were pictures of him all over the school. Like, mm-hmm. So I had every idea it was happening here. I just find that odd. Uh, like, how, mm. did they get, how did they in time get ready to celebrate the, the exoneration of Nelson Mandela? 
Um, well, it I mean, it's not in the works. exoneration. It's yeah. just, they, they freed him because he was basically a political prisoner. I yeah. mean, part of it is interesting that is has something to do with the communism starting to fall in that South Africa is under a ton of pressure from everyone else. They're under sanctions. Get rid of apartheid. This is bullshit. And so they they were running out of options of who could still be their buddies. Right. Mm. Now that communism's going away too, it's like, well, maybe we can't depend on some of the Eastern Bloc countries anymore. We definitely can't depend on Western Bloc countries because you know France, Germany, UK. We're all saying South Africa and your shit. You're stupid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So little Stevie wouldn't uh, play Sun City. It was a it was a disaster. Exactly. So part of it is the the government change. They uh, both a. Uh, the prime minister or president, I always forget which one they have, uh, he had a massive stroke and he stepped down and F.W. de Klerk comes in and basically said, look, the writing's on the wall. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. Either we do that. This is going to get violent or we start opening things up. Kind of like what Russia's doing. Mm. Like, let's prevent there being like an overthrow by calming everything down by like we're going to let, you know, the African National Congress like be a political party. Mm. To the point where their flag was banned like a week ago. Wow. <laughs> and now they're like, okay, let's start talking. Nice. And uh, I have a news clip from the day. Ooh. Bob Simon on the ground. After 27 years, his head was high and his fist was clenched. Nelson Mandela walked out of Victor Forster prison today like a chief of state, flanked by his first lady and by the men who'd been hired to protect him. There they were, the South African state police, providing security for the man who'd once been the most wanted man in Africa. The ANC flag, illegal until 10 days ago, was everywhere, taunting the pale blue cloudless skies of Cape Town. Hundreds of thousands had come to town, a throbbing crowd in the relentless sun. They turned the central square called Grand Parade into a dance floor. I can't stop watching this. Wow. But yeah. I, I love pointing out just, I know very little about even modern history, but mm-hmm. like that this all happened during my lifetime always reminds me how young we are as a culture, as a mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And I cannot believe this happened during my lifetime. This all seems like so crazy to have happened at a point, well, right before the internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then this does not all stay happy, unfortunately, because if you have a large crowd anywhere, there's going to be some pushing and shoving. Right. Uh, the cops say, oh, no, they're rioting, and they start firing into the crowd, and a couple people die. Shit. There's going to be some uh, trolly people from InfoWars there. I know. I know how this, these right. demonstrations this is false go. <laughs> um, but with, within four years, Nelson Mandela is going to be president of a desegregated South Africa. Wow. Yeah, and I remember that's I, amazing. as a that's little wild. kid having like very little context of this because I remember that's was one of the first things people said. He'll probably become the president. Like he just got a jail. Mm-hmm. What? Hmm? I'm so confused. I'm so... He's got to check in with his PO. He's got pee tests every week. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and if you violate your probation, you're not going to be played by Morgan Freeman ever. Oh, ever. No! Oh man. I think let's put that on everyone. Everyone that gets out of prison, mm-hmm. it's like. <laughs> You fuck up. Not only do you go back in, Morgan Freeman can't play you. <laughs> Morgan Freeman Ooh. cannot play you. Because I want Morgan Freeman to play me. That is the so. tipping point for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, just, and I, I, I don't know enough about Nelson Mandela, but mm-hmm. just, I, I don't understand. The humility when I see someone exit prison after multiple decades, like, how do you, how are you not angry all the time? Oh, Lord. <laughs> how are you, like, Agreed. you should be a supervillain at yes. that point <laughs> for yeah. a crime you didn't commit. <laughs> uh, I, I just don't get it. And just, like, uh, tip my hat to people who can go through that kind of thing. 
Yeah. Because, um, shit, if I wait in a long line in the DMV, I'll be jerks to every loved one oh, I yeah. have. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, okay. And then I was uh, lightly teasing. See, this does not feel as important, but I think it's funny to say things like this. I like my tech news, such as IBM saying it will produce, for I'm guessing it's IBM compatible computers, a uh, 16 megabyte memory chip. <gasps> Woo! Four times the capacity of the uh, today's most of 1990s most advanced chips, and it will take wow, them wow, a wow. few years to do once they've announced it. <laughs> uh, I, I just looked it up because I don't know these things off the top of my head. Uh, your typical computer needs about four gigabytes of memory just to run an operating system. Uh-huh. How did oh, we do God. anything? How? <laughs> How did we do anything? It's truly shocking. Yeah, this this is the same amount of memory on like a Sega Genesis copy of Street Fighter. Mm. This it's an, it's incredible. Running a whole fucking yet, computer. I'm a little nostalgic for it, mm-hmm. I have to say. Mm. Back when I just couldn't do as many things on the tiny computer in my pocket. <laughs> Put it away, sir. All right, getting into the movies of 1990, February 7th through the 13th. All was quiet for New Year's Day because I've never heard of it, and it has David Duchovny in it. Like it was someone I, I imagine was... it's erotic in some way. <laughs> oh, it, not I really no. I mean, it's a Henry Jaglum joint, no, which means I thought it was Gary Marshall. He's just like getting yeah. ahead of himself. I know he could bookend this thing. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it's Henry Jaglum. It's kind of stagey in that like it all takes place in one apartment, and it's just about people interacting and being a bummer and mumbling at each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Is Milos Forman an actor in this? Is that the same guy? I think he appears. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hopefully like, himself. Okay. Hey, we can talk 30, 20, 10 spoilers. I didn't, just by looking at the news, this episode is riddled with some of the most tragic and untimely, well, just the most tragic deaths personally to me. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. In this particular no, episode. We had, we had no deaths last week because they were all saving them up for this week. So stay tuned for that, people. What a good tease I just did for the end of the show. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jane Fonda, Robert De Niro, Swoozy Kurtz, and Martha Plimpton can't be stopped by New Year's Day because they're in Stanley and Iris. This movie I was researching. I'm trying to remember why. Uh, but it, it's, I remember, I don't know. Let's look, listen to the TV spot. Not all prisons have walls. You're in a city. You can't read the street signs. You're lost. Not all prisoners wear uniforms. He can't take a bus. He can't read where it's going. Not all escapes make headlines. Teach me to read. Jane Fonda. I'm good at. Robert De Niro. I'm good at getting the right teacher. Stanley and Iris. Rated PG-13. So is this in the wrong decade again, Diana? Because like, I know we talked about this before. No. No, mm-hmm. no okay. we, we have not. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... It's kind of a, it's a sensitive sort of like unlikely romance, but yeah, a lot of it is that Robert De Niro's character is a really nice guy, but he he can't read. I never learned to read. I ac- yep. I actually watched this because <laughs> I love Jane Fonda very much. Yeah, and Robert De Niro, and it's great. I thought I I found it to be very refreshing because it is just a grown up movie. Mm. It's a movie yeah. about grown ups for grown ups. And these yeah, two people, well, these just these two people have been kind of beat up by life a little bit, and then still like finding joy and learning to read <clears> and <throat> and finding love, and the acting's really good. And I found it to be very romantic because it's just these two adults who have like real lives, just like falling in love in a very pragmatic way. I can't read a book, <laughs> but I could read women. It's, she's, it's true. She, she's waving me in. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Hey, listen to Laser yep. Time this week if you want more bad De Niro impressions. <laughs> oh, I don't want to throw that on Sam. I did a bad Pacino impression. Yeah. yeah. 
I, mm. I do like romantic movies with like middle-aged folks. Yes. Mm. People that it's like, it's not just all wide-eyed doingness. It's mm-hmm. like, they've been around the block a couple of times. I'm not falling for bullshit. Maybe I'm a little bit defensive. And then like they bond about something and. I like that kind of thing. It is kind of pleasant. It is. Warm blankety. It's Weirdly, different. though, this is Jane Fonda's last movie for 15 years. I read that. Until that Jennifer Lopez movie? Yes. yes. Monster-in-law? Which I saw in yep. the theaters because I was so excited to see Jane Fonda. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Wild yeah. that she chose Monster-in-law. She married like on. one of the richest men in America. Uh, yeah. Didn't have to work for yeah. shit. And then uh, to, to her credit, did like cause-based stuff. Still does. Like, but uh, oh, yeah. devoted herself to that for decades. Yeah, I um, love seeing who who's getting arrested with her this week. Oh yeah, that's a fun fun watch. Oh, Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Ted Danson's Danson. there. Yay, Yay! They're getting arrested for climate. Yay. Yay! They're trying to save the world, even though they're old and they're not going to be here for the climate change. Sam Watterson. If I good for them. And also, if I may say something mildly positive about our society, and I know Please it's don't. hard to do these days. No, it, it's true. Uh, we 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 always uh uh. You hear, like, we don't cure diseases anymore, ever. Nothing's ever cured. Um, we did a really good job with illiteracy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of learning mm-hmm. disabilities, but, like, you never encounter anyone who can't read. And when I was a little kid, that may have been the biggest problem for all children ever. Yeah. The, the, way, they, the way they promoted it. You don't even hear about it as a hardship anymore. And I'm sure this still plagues certain people, but, like, mm-hmm. most of the time, we realize a lot of that is a learning disability. Everyone has access to the tools mm-hmm. of learning how to read. There's been a lot we done as far as people who have certain roadblocks to mm-hmm. being able to learn how to read, whether it's a sensory issue or a learning disability. So much work has been done as far as mm-hmm. taking down those roadblock, roadblocks mm-hmm. and actually the best way to teach different kinds of learners. And I think mm-hmm. that's a big reason why literacy, I think, He's a good has, learner. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's and also I mean on the other hand too I think it might be easier than ever to get around in society without being able to read I mean one of the big plot points in this movie is he can't read a map mm-hmm. and he can't read street signs and so that makes it very hard to live your life if you can't get on a bus because you don't know where you're going um, and you know just I, you all know, of I, our smartphones make it a little easier I'm trying, I, I'm trying to remember where I heard him say this because I don't all mm-hmm. I don't listen to Adam Carolla's show mm. But he claims to have been illiterate for like the first twenty years of his life, mm-hmm. and he and I never heard like, can you go to this construction site and pick this up? Like, why don't you drive me there first mm-hmm. so I can learn which way to go? Yeah, <laughs> like and where to turn <laughs> and like, oh fuck. But, but if it is something that I mean, there are still people out there who cannot read, and uh, if you're interested in really making president. a huge difference in someone's <laughs> life, almost every public library has an adult literacy program that you can volunteer for and help. Really changed someone's life for the better. So if that's something you're interested in, I highly encourage yeah. it. Yeah, and you can probably get a tweet from LeVar Burton. You won't know what it says. <gasps> oh, the dream. Cool. <laughs> uh, looks like according to studies, up to 20% of Americans are functionally literate. They can't read well. Mm. I'm the looking pre- for the stats on who can't read at all. Who reads? And it's tough. I mean, it's tough to figure out because even if you can't read, like, you might recognize some words and so mm-hmm. be able to like a little like, okay, I recognize that mm-hmm. like it's, as a symbol, but not as a word. Like how I can slightly read Spanish. Like I sort of get this. Mm-hmm. There's a red right. boy yeah. somewhere in here. Yeah. The <laughs> library yes. is yes. <laughs> down this way. Yes. Yeah. And, okay. Okay. Reading aside, uh, let's get into the big dumb man stuff. This poster hey. haunted Ooh. every local video store for mm-hmm. years to come. I have, this mm. movie. 
The more I looked into it, the more confused I am. I just thought it was a fucking terrible movie. And now I'm just, I help me. Help someone need a hug. I'm so confused. Max Stern's new partner has a good personality. I just can't deal with the violence. Now you tell me. And a bad personality. You feel lucky, punk. And a lot of other personalities. And Max Stern would like to kill them all. Walk speed. No, not walk Gene Hackman, Dan Aykroyd. Are you guys really cops? I'm a cop. I don't know what the hell he is. Loose Cannons. Rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Oof. Directed by Bob Clark of Porky's and Christmas Story fame. Ah, okay. uh, right. And written by. Are you ready for who it's written by? Wow. Uh, oh my God. What? Rich, Richard Matheson <laughs> yes. and his son. Yeah. Uh, I am legend. Fellow. I am legend guy. Yeah, legendary sci-fi writer and other kinds of writers. Uh an Academy Award nominee, Dan Aykroyd. I'm sure he's going to win in a couple weeks. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. Best supporting. Right. I I think I want to start my own Greendale <laughs> Community College class. Like Dan Aykroyd, is he good? Because like, I, I loved him as a kid, and I love him on SNL. But like, man, he is a mark. Like, if he's in a movie and yeah. it's not, it, is, it doesn't involve busting ghosts or a girl that's yours. Mm-hmm. It's going to suck. Mm-hmm. It's almost almost Ugh. every single time. Um, this is so bad. You feel embarrassed watching it. Mm. Mostly for Gene Hackman. Why is he here? Who made him do this? Uh, is his family safe? Have they been kidnapped? It's. I, I love looking at the credits on this because I just re- like produced by Aaron Spelling. Just like a what? bunch of what a mixed bag. Uh, uh, yeah, a bunch of people who can get shit off the ground and ha- get sh- stuff done. Not trying and making <laughs> making the like the, the easiest thing they can do. And I know I thought I remembered reading about some, some you know politically incorrect stuff, but like this will be forever incorrect because he's wearing a Washington Redskins jacket like um. on the fucking movie poster. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, is the story that yeah. Dan Aykroyd has multiple personality disorder? Yes. Okay. Yes, he's got dozens of wacky personalities and Ooh, they come nice. out at the worst times. Aww. You know, there was a time where society really was into the idea of multiple personality disorder and then it just kind of went away. Is that a fucking rabbit book? I forget what I forget what it's called. It's kind of not a thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every back when every new mental illness was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Hilarious. Yeah. This guy's autistic. Think see if he can read some cards. Uh okay. And, and oh, now, it's so bad. And for a while, it would be like rerun, like maybe Comedy Central or USA. Somebody was running it in basic cable. And anytime I see it, I'd be like, oh, no. Or I'd start with like, oh, Gene Hackman. And he's a cop. And oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I know like 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 go living on, around on. the mission, you go out and there'd be like bootleg movies and th- with foreign titles. And like that loose cannons copy never left the blanket. It was there for <laughs> fucking like 15 years. <laughs> Uh, and all right, and now on to the big show. Number one at the uh, box office, the triumphant return of one Stefan Segal. Mm. Oh, this uh, is this is it, man. This is as good as it's getting for him. Yeah, this is a uh, not 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 a fun movie from a, a wow, wonderfully terrible person meeting his second wife. Isn't he like? Oh, they were already married. They're already married. I, yeah. I just think he has a wonderful tale of like bigamy in in, in this life. Like he was already married, <laughs> yeah. and got married again. Yeah, Sam has like really been looking into Steven Seagal recently, and every Dude. new story I hear, I it blows me away. You got charged with human trafficking? Like, is that possible? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, for, you destroyed a town with a tank. You're a pawn of Russia, <laughs> right? You you, you got in the movie industry as the mob. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, uh, Frederick Hoffman, uh, William Sadler, welcome to Hard to Kill, everyone. Steven Seagal. 
is Detective Mason Storm. Others thought they silenced him. Your man's alive, Lieutenant. But Mason Storm. I think you better dial 911. It's hard to kill. Now the climate is right for revenge. That wasn't the time. Now's the time. Steven Seagal. Hard to kill. Ready? Love that. Love that soundtrack, though. It sounds like an HBO movie starting in the 80s. Yes. Wonderful. Uh, this movie's fucking ridiculous, and I've seen it oh, yeah. several times. And I, I went and got this clip and saw that Diana already put it down. Mm. Oh, hell yeah. There is one thing this movie is known for, baby. Yes. Besides that, it is such a self-parody. It's like, if, you think, if you're thinking early 90s cheesy action, you're 100%, whatever you're thinking, it's in this movie. Right, it's just like what he debuted like a year or two earlier with Above the Law, and like that's a scrappy little movie where he's like mm-hmm. trying and like physically giving it his all, and like act like he's acting. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah. It's hard to hate him when you see that movie. And this one, like he immediately like falls into whatever this is for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and I don't hate this movie because it has this line in it, and and you won't either after this. Money now and a lot more when I get in that office. You can take that to the bank. I'm going to take you to the bank, Senator Trent. To the blood bank. (laughs) (laughs) And I I fully encourage you to check out this. Sam and I have been saying this to one another for years. And we thought it was followed by the firing of a gun. Not him sitting alone in a hotel room (laughs) looking down at his feet. Someday. Someday my prince will kill. Looking at an old TV. Yeah. Well, it's because he's finally put it all together. The man he heard saying you can take that to the bank right before they shot him because he's a cop and he was in a coma and then he woke up and now he's out for revenge and he's just seen a political ad for the senator on TV and he puts it all together. Ah. And so he says it to himself. Well, (laughs) alone. But you know what? That's why it's perfect because it's at those moments when you're alone and you've just come to realization that you just say the silliest thing to yourself. Yes, part of Steven Seagal's... It's actually very realistic. Part of Seagal's charm is, is a complete lack of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> so this it makes this a perfect moment. Mm. A perfect Seagalism. I like to imagine a sliding door situation where in some other universe, he's like our biggest star and not a bad guy. Wow. Because, I mean, like... He's very handsome, and he's obviously a capable. Is at tell this me point, more, Sarah. Back then, yeah. Back then, yeah. He's yeah. And okay. I mean, he's a, he's a capable action movie person. Okay, he looks like an like an animated panda come to life. What? Uh, like yes, in most of the movies <laughs> I see him in, he's just so. I mean, I would make him more of an otter because he's just so slick and wet. You know. Mm. Okay, I'm almost done. Keep going. <laughs> I, it's working. It's working on me. A, a bizarre endorsement on 3020 10, courtesy of Sarah Barry. Let's not construe this no. in any way as an endorsement of Stephen Seagal. The only thing anybody's going to remember. My husband may divorce me. No, no, I'm sure he's probably <laughs> he's probably contributed to the thirst. It, <laughs> that's probably why this is happening. Uh, moving on to television, 1990, February 7th to the 13th. The 9th of February. Good Lord. Yeah. This is so bizarre. So the Brady's debut. Well, I would. I don't know. I I did had an odd affection for the Brady Bunch, mm-hmm. and I did mm-hmm. watch the TV movies that spawned this series. Mm-hmm. So this is right. Yeah, like they were big hits. The Brady Christmas reunion and the big hit. Yeah. The Brady Brides or whatever. Yes. They, but they were also like dramedies, like no yeah. laugh track. They're shot like regular movies with as much of the original cast as they can get. And what's bizarre about this is it only runs six episodes. Six episodes. You think it would be more popular, but it's 
not, but I pulled the opening song. It's a little long, but it literally okay. gives you everything you need to oh, it know does? about it. Yeah. So it I, just, I thought there was there was fewer things in my life I wanted to hear than the mm-hmm. Brady Bunch theme song again. No. This fucking version it's, is even worse. Yeah. Like I hate it. But it's, it I mean it's a story of like the Brady kids kind of all grown up mm-hmm. and the story tells you it it's like a it tells you exactly where they are now. Oh my so God. like it just I didn't hear one with lyrics, so I, I can't wait you. to hear this. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's all the same actors, right? It's mostly the same. Mm-hmm. I think it's like the last time Robert Reed was healthy enough to yeah, be anything. Yeah, like I'm not sure the the big name actors that I know are still there. Right. And there may be like a couple that oh I didn't know the name of that person. Yeah, so everyone that's, that's been on a VH1 one. reality show is in is, mm-hmm. is in this episode. <laughs> Florence Henderson, the only one that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Brady's theme song, uh, Jesus. It's just like, I was just thinking that like, this had a history, this kind of idea had a history of not working because I felt like, was society smarter? Because Fuller House is in like its fifth season and oh. one of the highest rated things on Netflix. People are crazy for oh. it, yeah. And it's and at least that like sticks to its old formula. I don't know what made them deviate into like drama and shit or why we wanted to see these children grown up because mm-hmm. part of it, Part of, I think, the charm of the Brady Bunch is people young who were watching it in the right. 90s, like me, and people mm-hmm. who were young when they were watching it in the 70s. So, like, Well, that's and that's what this is, is that now the young people who were watching in the 70s are growing up. Now they want to see what Marcia Brady gets hit in the face with a subpoena. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, this song. Here's the story oh. of the family Brady. A mom and dad. Is Henderson singing this? Yep. It's not the original Marsha. Okay. I didn't think so. It's the original Jan. I don't know why I know this. Oh, I know that. He plumped. Original Cindy. Same face. Oh, Greg. Original Peter. I don't know. Can vouch for Bobby. Yeah. What, no Alice? Is she dead? Oh, no. She's still... Yes! She is! That is awful. I love it. That is awful. <laughs> and it's like it's twice so as long as the Brady Bunch, the it original is. theme song. It's jazzier, though. Uh, to explain they're all it's grown terrible. up. terrible. <laughs> uh, I looked at uh, SNL this week because I was like, what? Quincy Jones is yes. the host? Like, uh, what? I, I can't think of any other... Music producer? No. Oh, can I say one more thing about the Brady's? Please. Yeah. One more thing about the Brady's. I just dug up TV debut of Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Ah, okay. Oh, okay. One, one of the Brady grandkids. And I, I don't know why. Because, like, the nostalgia for this was, like, at a fever pitch, but it it went up against TGIF on CBS. Ooh. And it was CBS's lowest rated show for mm. all of its six episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so said it was going in hiatus and then never returned. I think it just did not hit at the exact right time. I just think it, it's mm. A, it's too weird. B, it's up against like the things people want from the Brady Bunch they're getting from TGIF. True. Why That's would they, true. Yep. Why yeah, would they watch point. this? And uh, But yeah, Quincy Jones is hosting SNL. I tried to pull right. some sketches from it, but they're all pretty impenetrable. Mm. Even one that's solely audio based. So check that out if you want to. Because on the 11th, we have one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons, Moaning Lisa. Mm-hmm. Moaning Lisa, uh, introducing pretty much the biggest thing, uh, Bleeding Gums Murphy. <laughs> Bleeding Gums Murphy. The 
the jazz man who testifies to Lisa. But to me, it's more important. I never see more James L. Brooks in The Simpsons than a Lisa episode. Mm. And mm, yeah. and it's Lisa's. Fir- it's the first episode ever centered on Lisa. Like, try and imagine that. Like, you don't mm-hmm. know anything about Lisa Simpson. There's been a couple episodes where she's been a bit of a toxic brat. Yeah, because she has. She's not that defined yet. Uh, it's the, it's but it's the first Lisa episode. Uh, don't get mad, ladies. It is also the first episode of The Simpsons ever with a B plot. So you can't just and well, for, yeah. for me it was all about the Mike Tyson's Punch Out video of game course. they're playing. That. Of course, <laughs> but in, in high, all Lisa episodes are the best episodes. Something about Yardley Smith in that character, mm-hmm. I don't know. It makes you. I I don't know how she makes Lisa such a compassionate character, but like the mm-hmm. whole world of The Simpsons is always kind of against her, and mm-hmm. she's just pretty passive about it. Uh, so when she asserts herself, goes out to find a. Find some love of jazz. On the very bridge Homer was going to kill himself on, she finds Bleeding Gums Murphy, and they get to talk about jazz. That was beautiful. What's it called? Oh, it's a little tune that I call the I Never Had an Italian Suit Blue. And I, yeah, it's the voice of <laughs> Ron Taylor, who I don't know super well, but he had mm-hmm. been in a couple of things that, like, I think Al Jean, one of the writers of this episode, had worked on him. He, he had a lot of bit parts. He's the black guy on Twin Peaks. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The coach. Okay. Uh, he was the original voice of Audrey too in the play for Little Shop of Horrors. Okay. Oh. How about that? Yes, but uh, this is such a great episode and forecast a lot of great Lisa episodes to come. I watched a little of it uh, and then mm-hmm. fell asleep, but mm-hmm. I definitely want to finish <laughs> watching the episode because, like I said before, I... Now learn to play saxophone, so thus completing my you're journey so, into you're supposed Lisa to bring it. <laughs> That's right, I was supposed to play it today. You're supposed to bring it. Whoops. And as if this episode could, as if this week couldn't be bigger for little Christopher, mm. um, give video games of 1990, oh. and it is a big one. You might remember it from the first sound you hear in the game. And we, of course, oh my. We go yeah, way. Put it on my tanuki suit. We go way further into the games on our 30 2010 Patreon show at patreon.com slash laser time, supporting this show and others. And we'll do that with uh, the Video Game Apocalypse guys because Super Mario Brothers 3 is the best selling, one of the best selling video games of all time. And I think up until very recently, it was the best selling, like, not packed in, budget priced game of all time. But I think, you know. Anybody can download Minecraft for 20 bucks. So, mm-hmm. like, what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, and, but I still think it's got to be up there because I was looking at there, they, they don't, not only do the video game release dates from this period not great, uh, their sales numbers aren't great either. And it's reported that it sold 17 million copies alone on the NES. Uh, this is, it's, Another another uh, article posted that it was one of the first virtual console games on the Wii to sell a million copies. So add a million there. It was remade for the Super Nintendo. It was remade for the Game Boy Advance. It's been available in all those little consoles. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's currently available in the Switch store. So I think it might be one of the most played Mario games of all time. And only to put it in a context, it's Super Mario Brothers three. But remember what we said about Super Mario two? It was sort of a reskin of a game Nintendo, a promotional game Nintendo had made. And there was a Super Mario 2 in Japan that was just like Mario 1, but harder. This sort of is the first from scratch Mario, new Mario game we had ever received. It was the first true sequel. And I think that's absolutely incredible. And almost everybody recognizes something from this. And I think it might have one of the most iconic pieces of box art of all time. Mm-hmm. And I will go into more depth on patreon.com slash laser time. And I want to because I know 
You guys don't get the offhand joke. Uh, my uncle who works at Nintendo says they're already on Mario 7 in Japan. This, this had been out for over a year in Japan. In Japan, Aww. in a few months, we'll be getting Mario 4. All right, kitty. Wow. So my cat's on top what? of my desktop. and uh, and I, for- I thought it was a baby. I, yeah, no, it was. It's a it's a little tiny analog <laughs> soundboard that I forgot to use on every podcast. Whatever. Yeah, see? <laughs> she stepped on it. Hey, welcome to the morning so radio cute. show. She stepped on it on top oh of the computer. <laughs> and that sounds like a good a time as any to end the Mario. Uh, the Mario. T- I'm trying to find the perfect sound effect. That's it. I thought... I thought that was going to... It says whoopee. I, I just assumed uh, it would be like, yippee. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> uh, give, me, give me another try here. Um, how about... No. No. No, it won't stop. Get out of here. <laughs> that actually worked. <laughs> We're doing some great Foley work Yeah, some good work Foley work in this episode. You're welcome, Ooh. everyone. Um, but again, patreon.com slash laser time for me to replace my sound effects machine, which mm. I've now currently broke on your behalf. Music of 1990, February 7th to the oh. 13th. Oof. My God! God damn! There's a lot. Going this on here. is there's so much going on. Mm. Is I don't know what's a debut here. Shake your money maker by the Black Crows. I had not heard. That's them. a debut. That's a debut. Yep. Highwaymen two by Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash has a new album out. So does Waylon. Uh, wait, oh, by Johnny Cash. No, Waylon. They're the Highwaymen. They're the Highwaymen. Waylon Jennings, Together. Willie Nelson, and Chris Christopherson. A a super group of uh, a murderers row, yeah, of respectable mm-hmm. country musicians. Mm-hmm. Blue Sky Mining by Midnight Oil is out. That was a big deal because uh, they yep. were one of the first bands I recognized. I think they were the musical guests when Macaulay Culkin hosted SNL. I'm like, oh, it's a band. <laughs> I don't know anything about these. Uh, uh, Submarine Bells by the Chills. Stay Sick by the Cramps. Uh, and the flu duo. Wow. <laughs> the Chills and the Cramps. I got the Chills and the Cramps. <laughs> uh, and oh my God, please hammer. Please hammer. Don't hurt him. Ooh. I always say it like Phil Hartman in that one sketch. <laughs> yep. And Frizzle Fry, the debut of Primus. Yeah. What the fuck is with this diversity? <laughs> I know. Up until like now, it. it's been like a little bit here and there. January is pretty slow because we're coming out of Christmas. And then February, especially in 1990, but see it in 2000 a lot too, where it's like February is going to be fucking crazy, especially huh. with the debut. So Black Crow Shake Your Money Maker, huge seller, bunch of hits off of that. Wait, wait, wait. Hard to handle. She talks to angels. High Woman 2, always delightful to listen to. Midnight Oil, another big ass hit. And fucking please hammer don't hurt him by MC Hammer. I, that is like the second album Holy I ever owned. Shit. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm getting into it. I'm feeling the music here, but like a little bit yeah. of something for everybody. Even weird shit like Primus. That's yeah. fucking nuts, yes. huh? Except for and women. Then, <laughs> yes. Oh, I mean, and then, uh, but uh, please hammer don't one. hurt him. It needs needs to be brought up because you know MC Hammer. It's re- popularizing rap to a larger and larger and larger audience mm. because we've already had like we're we're in the best time of, of gangster rap right now that's like becoming a thing so it's more we're moving out of rap and into hip-hop and then but this like happy upbeat fun time music it's like every white kid you know yep had this album i i remember in the first episode of the bernie mac show we first of y'all kids better not be touching my happy rap and then <laughs> he just points at like kid and play and mc hammer i'm like yeah i was really in the happy rap yeah and was nwa so was for people who are pretty deep into music like this is the stuff kids were getting exposed to and exactly well before the super bowl because uh mm-hmm. i believe that that can't touch this comes off this album and yep. that cheeto commercial is didn't hear a lot of people talking about the commercials this year but that was one I of them i didn't either 
There's but, a couple of them. And then, just to contrast all of that, what's number one this week? Fucking Speaking of happy rap. Yes. Paula Abdul <clears throat> featuring MC Scat Cat That's with right. uh, <laughs> Opposites Attract. He will have his own album eventually. But I know. one of the most expensive music videos of all time, I think even if you are 20 and under, you know what this music video looks like. Uh, Family Guy animated an entire parody of it with, it I think, putting Peter in the cat part. Burn into my memory. Like, every time this would come on. Yeah. I would watch VH1 just hoping right. that this music video would come on. Yeah, because I think at that point, like, <laughs> maybe I'm in more into music than I think because I can't stop watching this video and I want to see it all the time. All the time. It's very, very good. She's <laughs> Like, pretty lady, and it, he's a really cool cartoon cat. And yeah, who's kind of handsome. And it's like it's <laughs> here perfect. she goes again. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> and it's a perfect combination for Baby Sarah because it's great dancing, fun singing, and a list song. Mm. And I love a good list song. <laughs> I, and I like a fake New York skyline. <laughs> I, I like that too. Uh, it's it's hard to believe it's it was uh, yeah I think one of the most expensive music videos ever made at the time. Yeah, and it's wow. it's it's wonderful. But for that reason, it holds up very well. You can see it, yeah. You can see it, I'm sure, on your local Vivo. Uh, we're going to close out with Opposites Attract, and we get back, people. we got to talk 2000, so stay right there. It's me, Diana, and thanks for listening to 302010. I hope you're enjoying the show. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up in 2000, in also 1990, 2010. I think it's better than 2009. So did you miss a name of a movie that we were raving about on 302010? Because we've been trying to get better at saying the title more than once. But if you completely missed the name, you want to find the movies we're recommending, you can check out our new profile on Likewise, likewise.com slash 302010. 302010. Likewise is an app that helps you find movies, TV, books, podcasts, even restaurants that you might like based on things you already like. And in the case of movies, it will tell you where you can stream them right now. That's probably like the big sell for me. I like anywhere where they will tell me where I can stream things because I will open up like seven different apps trying to figure out where it is, if it's HBO or Amazon or Netflix or whatever. So having one place that says, hey, you want to see this movie? Boom. Here's where you can see it. And also, here's other movies you might like based on that. It's all based on people's recommendations on Likewise. You could even recommend 302010 for your friends and family because you're super plugged in like that and people are always looking for new podcasts. Uh, You can download Likewise as an app or use it online, just on the web. Likewise app is at the Google Play Store. It's at the Apple App Store. You can check out all of our recommendations. We got a bunch of lists, including Classic Corner, which has more than 200 movies, all of which come with my stamp of approval at likewise.com slash 302010. That's 302010. Okay, back to the show. Coming in with inaugural presidential band, Three Doors Down. Oh, yes. Creep Tonight. <laughs> I forgot uh, about that. God, I hate this song. But uh, it was, you know, I don't. I didn't hate it as much as Creed, though. 
and that this weird yeah. era of like super safe Christian rock, uh, mainstream Christian rock. Didn't hate him as much as Creed, but um, I just feel like these were. You know, they're named Three Doors Down because they're weed dealer live Three Doors. Yeah, oh, okay. I mean that's what I heard. Though. I uh, just feel like they're kind of I actually bad takeoffs of the Foo Fighters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Because yeah, I mean, like I don't, I don't hate this song. It's just there. I don't either. But when I hear it, I also hear my hero. Mm. And Everlong, well, I, I could, which I are could, better songs from a better band. I can, but one, it's the I can same only one up you there. Around this time, like a year beforehand, we're like, "Fuck, we live in Florida, and there's all these beautiful, unpoliced sinkholes that you can swim in with, mm-hmm. like fresh-fed water that are like that may sound shitty, but it's like you're going directly in a beautiful blue aquifer, uh, and you can drink out there. And we go all these redneck places, and those motherfuckers had would not stop playing the first two Candlebox albums. So when I think of bands <laughs> like Three Door Down and, and Creed, I think of, oh, Candlebox, the thing that never died on the outskirts of town. Mm-hmm. You're all doing Candlebox. Sorry, that was I found I sound feel old and boring after that anecdote. Welcome <laughs> to 2000, what everyone. Made you feel old and boring. Yes, just that. <laughs> not, 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 all, not all my opinions on the fucking Brady's. Um, and if you want to hear more of my opinions, old man opinions, uh, tune in to Laser Time this week. We are celebrating our not only our 400th episode, but I, I our. Kind of counted at some point our eighth, ninth Oscar time, Diana, where we watch all, uh, yes. all the Oscar movies so you don't have to, and uh, with equipped with a almost ev- a sketch based on every single film, all except for one, all except for one, because that one it's too precious. It's too precious, uh, but oh yes, we are in two thousand February seventh to the thirteenth. But do listen to that episode. Uh, new music releases during this period of the the aughts are the Cry Baby by the Melvins is out, as is Better Life by Three Doors Down. Off of which Kryptonite is on. And Su- Supreme Cl- uh, Clientele by Ghostface Killa. I know I love which, you by Savage Garden. Which, why didn't Ghostface Killa release his album the same week Scream came out? He's a week Come late. Come on, man. What were you thinking? Missed opportunity. Probably because he wasn't asked to be on the soundtrack. Master P got in there before Wait, him. he's a week late for Scream? Scream 3. Scream 3. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and 2000... Cool. A little bit of news. Again, this is part of the death spoiler. Uh, we can say it's uh, the last original Peanuts trip runs. Mm. And I don't... Uh, uh, I, I'm, I feel fortunate to know a couple of editorial cartoonists. It's kind of a dying, um, a dying industry. But you can do that until you're a ripe old age. And uh, Peanuts is one of those things that... I hate the name. So did Charles Schultz. Mm. Um, <laughs> the, the publisher gave it that. Let's just say Charlie Brown and Snoopy. Uh, it never got bad or weird or like, you know, you know where Garfield's at. And we know how Calvin and Hobbes went out when it was on top, but Peanuts was good for 40 years. Like, mm-hmm. like from the beginning, even when Charlie Brown's barely in it, uh, when Shermie and other characters we don't remember are still in it. But the last Peanut shit ran, because I think it was that vital to the life force of Sparky, Charles Schultz, whom I love uh, just profoundly. Mm-hmm. I really love that guy. I was telling somebody about it, uh, we almost we almost lost it in the fire. He there's a great Charles Schultz Museum in Santa Rosa, California, and because he moved out to California in a remote area of California, and he was a Midwesterner, he built this enormous ice skating rink, and and it's got risers and stands, and on the back are like the back porches, a facade that looks like the back porches of homes to recreate the idea that you're ice skating in your backyard yeah and it's it's it really is huge and it's crazy operates all year long and i had no idea how many like 
ice skating's a thing. You win a gold medal, you tour the country for years. I didn't learn that shit till like a Tanya Harding documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah, that's that's where they would go. Never mind. But this dude was so inextricably tied to the peanuts, he he died one day before the last strip he ever turned in. Wow. So the, he had, I think, maybe technically a week and a half to enjoy his retirement. Maybe a month or two. And he was dead. Charles Schultz, everybody. <laughs> Love that man. And yes, there's a great documentary where they talk about him. Stripped, I believe it's called. Check that out. Laser Time has done a couple episodes about comic strips. I do love that kind of thing dearly, and we will talk about them again. Welcome to the 2000 movies, February 7th to the 13th. This is such a weird assemblage. Uh I love it. Truly. Oh, my. I can't. Well, let's get through the kid movies, and I can't wait to talk about the grown up movies. Yeah, because Scream 3 is still number one at the box office, so here's your counter-programming enters the picture, because this fucking cast, holy shit. Mm. Chevy Chase, Chris Elliott, Mark Webber, Schuler Fist, Gene Smart, uh, Emmanuel Cherqui, mm-hmm. ah, mm-hmm. Iggy Pop, Pam Greer, and John Schneider in Snow Day. Schools are officially closed for a snow Pick it up. day. On a day when anything can happen. Hi, Hal. Hey, look out! Everything will. Principal Weaver, catch! Oh, no. But one man can ruin it all. Snowplow man. Okay. Hmm. What? But what, uh, a, what a great... I want... I I was like, oh, fuck this. Is, this is so fucking stupid. Oh, my God, I'm embarrassed. And then I find out, oh, wait, Chris Elliott... And his snowplow are the antagonists. Mm-hmm. Can I see a version where they win? <laughs> because I love Chris Elliott so much. Mm-hmm. Me too. And and I think this is a great premise for a movie. Having lived exclusively in Florida and California, I don't know what a fucking snow day is. But yeah, I all you get is oh, hurricane man. days. Yeah. And you cannot go outside during those. Ah, I'm and starving. most of the time, you don't have any power. And yeah, you're and sweating your balls two off. Two weeks later, you still feel the effects. Whereas this is just like, for kids, like, anarchy. Yeah. Yeah, everything oh, you had to do today is over. So- is so great. I mean, I don't know what it's like now with the internet. You don't have to wait to find out. But when I was a kid in Philly, we had to wait to find out. You you would have to turn to like the AM station or like there would be the little ticker at the bottom of the news or something. You still have to get up on time. And you see there's a lot of snow, and then you wait as they start announcing all the school districts. Mm. You're like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And Diana County. <laughs> exactly and you're like all right okay north philadelphia schools all right yes yes and why are you talking about wilkes bar get back here no they're too far out. fuck them yeah. uh <laughs> yeah I, I actually watched this movie when it was out on rental for some reason mm-hmm. must have been like the last movie in the blockbuster but i remember it being not that bad for a kid's movie i remember feeling like this is going to be terrible and then the trailer i think does not do it justice it's a little bit better than what you think it's going to be. What's weird is there are two different trailers, and one of them makes it seem like a heartwarming romance. Yes. Because there's like Why? a couple, there's some other things going on. Like there's a teenage kind of romance part of it, and then there's the little kid part of it. And then, you know, the adults are trying to, I think there's the whole storyline with Gene Smart is like the mom, and she learns the true meaning of snow days sort of <laughs> situation. So there's a lot of stories going on here. And it's not that bad. As if things could not get better for the children who want mm. to go see movies. This is uh, interesting to me, and I'm sure I'll be able mm. to... I can't wait to tell you well, why. I, I think it's interesting uh, as a corporate thing, because Snow Day is a Nickelodeon joint. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're going head-to-head with their main competition, 
Mr. Disney. Right. Uh, and, and it's also the return of Winnie the Pooh to movie theaters for the first time in decades. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mark this as, uh, I think Winnie the Pooh's kind of waning in popularity. But like, if you looked whenever like A.A. Milne's estate was suing Disney, mm-hmm. it was like, <laughs> it was like, it made up roughly like 60% of their merchandise, Winnie the Pooh stuff. Because they had so mm-hmm. much straight to video shit and pajamas. Yeah. Because I love The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Me too. What a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. All those characters are so wonderful. Oh, yeah. And, and frightening. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a, <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah. I, and uh, but everything else is like fucking raw baby shit that I talk. Well, well, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh is still and fun. then is this was this right around the same time that Disney came out with their merchandising of like the more simple looking poo stuff? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, the, that looks like the A. Mill illustrations. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, but it's also coinciding with they finally have a ride in the park, right? And uh, mm. it, which it's odd to think that didn't happen. That. Movies from the 60s. Mm-hmm. And like, this is one of their biggest merchandise movers. But I think it's this, at this point, the swell of popularity for Pooh is undeniable. Oh, yeah. And so Disney, like, kind of has to make another movie. They do it with their straight to video division, mind you. And it's, uh, they kicked off, uh, who did they kick off? Paul Winchell as Tigger. Because uh, mm. he was getting, he, they kicked him off for being too old and raspy. And I just want to say what a great voice actor Jim Cummings is. He is, and still is, Tigger and Pooh. Mm. And has been. Mm. Since the television show, I just think that's I can't do either of those voices, but they're two totally distinct voices. Mm-hmm. I do it to, sometimes to annoy my lady friend. Oh, bother! I can say a few words, rabbit, <laughs> piglet. <laughs> that's it. I, little micro impressions of Pooh, but Jim Cummings oh, does geez. it all uh, with the help of from Optimus Prime, Peter Cullen, uh, Tom Attenborough, John Hurts, uh, Nikita Tompkins, John Fielder, heads heads and Andreas Strykis, Katie Sousey. Um, and a bunch of other voice actors, but this is the Tigger movie. Coming only to theaters. Walt Disney Pictures presents one of the biggest, Hello. bounciest, <laughs> most Tiggerific movies ever. Oh, boy. I can't wait. With Rue, Eeyore, Piglet, and Winnie the Pooh. Well, there are bees, there's honey. <laughs> the Tigger movie starts Friday, February 11th. Ooh, okay. Uh. This makes me feel very nostalgic because yeah. my baby sister was very into poo stuff. And so we watched the movie so many times and the television program and had all the merchandise. And yeah, just seeing it kind of brings time. me back to a sweet time. Yeah, it, uh, it, I was just I remember being like, I'm going out. Th- I'm going out this weekend to buy ecstasy and alcohol. But I really wish they would have done this earlier when I could have taken advantage <laughs> of being in the theater to watch the Tigger movie. Because I do like those characters quite a bit. And well, the movie's just not for me. Have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's just for little kids. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I know I saw it a while, you know, when it first came out. It did not do the thing, though, of like moderning it up. No, right? they never do. Good. Right. Okay, good. I just want to make sure. I never remembered them ever doing that. And I think it would be a real shame. I mean, I, I know they did. did at some point because one of my, I remember I was leaving for school and I was so pissed at my parents and there's this girl I like and I can't stop getting boners and I'm watching the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh on a stolen cable box in the morning. And then, and then uh, Pooh's like, we should order a pizza. And Tigger's like, get it with anchovies. And I'm, I just laughed for days about anchovies. So they did use a phone. Okay. And they did okay. order a pizza. Hmm. So, okay. I, But you could have done that, I guess, back in the 40s. Maybe not the 10s where uh, these characters originated. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it, yeah, oh, it's uh, for, for my hardcore uh, Disney fans. I'm talking pre-acquisition here. I do believe this is the last original composition from the Sherman Brothers. 
Really? Uh, yes. Wow. They wrote a new song or two for this. But I mean, because it's difficult to know because Disney's remade so much shit. They have more credits. Than... <laughs> mm. Yes. They have more credits than Leonardo DiCaprio over the last 10 years because of Disney remakes. Mm. And uh, But yes, the Tigger movie. Mm. I probably should have talked this long about it. And... Yeah, I just, I, I never bothered to watch it because I don't really care for Tigger. But the wonderful yeah. thing about Tiggers, there we go. Tiggers are one of the things. Their tops are made out of bottoms. Their bottoms are made out of springs. They're bouncy, 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 fun, 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 fun. Yeah, and I am a Winnie the Pooh or Eeyore who just wants to be left alone to read. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Not true. Get out of my way. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Stop annoying me. Stop it. I don't see you risking life and limb for sweets. I don't think that's going to happen. Mm. Well, you don't know what I get up to. <laughs> <laughs> Not at night, no. And mm-hmm. I identify I mean, with Rabbit, a mm-hmm. grouchy old crank. <laughs> yeah. I just want people yeah, to, but, to get away from me. I mean, like the 2011 Winnie the Pooh film. I thought that was excellent. It was, but that, that's why but I brought this up as again. L- it's as- sort of like it is for babies, but it's a soothing kind of for babies, and this is just a little bit too, you know, bouncy, bouncy, jumpy, and, jumpy. And, and unlike the Tigger movie and the Heffalump movie, which is even worse, uh, the, the the Winnie the Pooh 2011 movie that's like a real deal Disney theatrical release. It's mm-hmm. kind of yeah, kind of their last theatrical thing. I don't think we talked about it yet. I think it's after Princess nope. and the Frog. Uh, and, yeah, it's 2011. And, but it's yeah, also well. like the public did not show up for that. Mm-hmm. Whereas they sort of did for this, but obviously this is going to make its money back. It's a new Winnie the Pooh joint. But uh, I, I think we saw the sort of the waning days of Pooh's popularity uh, nine years ago. Mm-hmm. But it was hugely popular here. That's that's all I have to say about that rabbit. Uh, I, can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I, it's too hard. That's pretty good. It's pretty Also out this week... Uh, Leslie Manville. Is that a real name? Leslie Man just hiding from us? Uh, Timmy Spall, <laughs> Alan Cordner, and Jim Broadbent in Topsy Turvy. Now, despite the rumors, none of the ladies shall be wearing corsets during the performance. It's frightful. <laughs> and the gossip. Oh, both of them? Yeah. <laughs> the deal making and the scene stealing. Dover, will you kindly withdraw to the side of the stage immediately? The show will definitely go on. Oh, what a false. Oh. Uh, tell, me, tell me why you love this thing. Well, up track marks. See, mm-hmm. Yeah, you see, I I thought I would describe what this is, and you'd be like, oh, I don't want to watch that. And mm-hmm. then watch the trailer and be like, oh, maybe I do, because there's titties. <laughs> so, Topsy-Turvy, uh, it's about Gilbert and Sullivan uh, and their working relationship and the making of the Mikado, the light operetta that everyone loves so much. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Now, that sounds boring and stupid and it's not it is really good really entertaining uh it's it's kind of like being in a time machine like you sort of feel like you're back in like the 1880s you know with like some of the sex and violence left in like there's Mm -hmm. you know sex and people talking about birth control and shooting up drugs and cheating on everybody because they're theater people and theater people are all fucking insane Mm. but also it's about like yes uptight victorian folks who don't work together very well and then suddenly get this idea of like we're going to write a show about japan we don't know shit about japan (laughs) and they like get a couple japanese people in and they're like you all walk like this right and you have funny names and you do this and the japanese people are like the fuck are you (laughs) and it's mostly it's a lot of fun and also like it's it's moving as things start to like fall apart and different actors have different problems and 
there's singing and dancing. And uh, I mean, it's Mike Lee doing a very not Mike Lee movie. Was it last week we talked about another year? Mm-hmm. Also a Mike Lee movie with Jim Broadbent, which is just about lower class British people having arguments next to their kitchen sinks. Mm. And this is like this big lavish production, these incredible costumes and sets and a million actors. And it's like got buried. Like nobody fucking saw this. It's great. Well, I loved it. I'm so excited to hear that because I have the DVD of it that I borrowed from my local library on my coffee yeah. table. Is it Criterion? Think, no, it's okay. just regular. But um, just but that. also I think it's interesting because it's certainly based on the DVD cover art, Jib Broadbent is basically rehearsing for his role in Moulin Rouge next year. And it looks Atlas. almost like exactly the same. He looks exactly the same, but he's the uptight one. Oh, he looks. Oh. So, let me snicker. But look every now and then, like he starts to bust loose, and it, it's even funnier that way. It's like, okay, I could, <clears throat> I could see this being the prequel to his character in Moulin Rouge, yeah. where like he just starts having a major drinking and drug problem, and he turns into that guy. Yeah, I can see that. Cool. Well, <laughs> then, yeah, I'm real. I'm not going to return to the library just yet, then, because I'm definitely yeah. Well, check that so out. I know. 1880s behind the scenes at Gilbert and Sullivan sounds so dry, and it is really not. That is right up my alley. While you're at the library, can you please pick me up a two-disc standard definition copy of Anthony Hopkins' Titus? Sure. Uh, Because that is also out this Mm -hmm. week. Um, Because you know what else people like? Obscure Shakespeare. (laughs) Guess what? I'm going to bat for this one, too. Well, is this Julie Taymor? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ah, okay. okay. This movie's fucking nuts. Fox Searchlight Pictures and Clear Blue Sky Productions, proud supporters of public television, present Tony Award-winning director Julie Taymor's motion picture directorial debut, Anthony Hopkins, Jessica Lange, no one else, Titus. Oh, I got the pronunciation wrong. Uh, uh, that I, does look nuts. It is. It is. It, it is, is nuts. I got the the weirdest recommendation from uh, our mutual friend Tyler Nagata. You may remember from her old podcast, who I think like almost exclusively watches anime, and he's mm. like, "You got to watch Titus. It's <laughs> fucking nuts." And and yeah. I did, but then I accidentally got too high, so I forgot most of it. Uh, I hope that that is just every pull <laughs> quote from a review on the back of this DVD is <laughs> "This is nuts. <laughs> this movie is nuts." <laughs> How many times can we say nuts? It is not so. Julie Taymor, you know, became famous for directing The Lion King on stage. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, "How yes. are you going to make The Lion King? It's animated." And she did, and it's all like super artsy. Uh, we also talked about Across the Universe. She did mm-hmm. later. Yep. So here she is taking uh, a Shakespeare play, which every ad hides that it's Shakespeare. She takes a more obscure Shakespeare play about uh, these guy, you know, battling armies, and there's a bunch of like political intrigue and heaps of violence there's mm. a, you know a, a gang rape and a girl gets her hands cut off okay. eventually two guys are killed and cooked into a pie that's fed to their mom Whoa. you know the good stuff and whoa, whoa, whoa. it is done so creatively and cre- like it's all really anachronistic like sometimes they're in cars from the 50s but they're all using spears but sometimes there's guns sort of it's like I guess my guess is they greenlit this off of William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. And we're just like, well, that worked. Maybe yeah. kids will like this. And it's just, it's like long and weird and didn't make any damn money because it's just so fucking weird, but it's so creatively weird. I implore people to, to give it a shot. I, I wish they did more of that mm-hmm. in that case. Yeah. 
and just call everything William Shakespeare's Titus. William Shakespeare's <clears throat> Blobity Blue. And I, I, I'll never my forget the DVD play, cover. It's, it's just Anthony Hopkins' yep. face covered in paint. It's burned into my memory. Yeah, filling up the mm-hmm. whole goddamn package. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie I did see 11 billion times, which I might be a bit of an apologist for as a giant Danny mm-hmm. Boyle fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tilda yeah. Swinton, Virginie, am I, <laughs> Ledion, yeah. Ledion uh, and Robert Carlyle. Virginie Ledion. Uh, yeah, Leonardo Ledion. DiCaprio uh, in Da Beach. They found all they ever wanted. Yeah! A paradise few have ever experienced. I don't suppose that there's any reason that you should spend time with me. What are you talking about? Just making conversation. Do you have a girlfriend? Why? Just making conversation. A temptation. Would you like to come to the beach with me? They had never known. I don't remember DiCaprio ever looking this young uh, after Titanic, <laughs> but Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, I watched this He's movie a, a ton, and I don't hate it near as much as, as, as many of the critics do of hmm. the film. I, yeah. And watching it again, it's just sort of like, oh, this is like, I feel like this is what a, 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 what a studio would do to End of the Wild. What if it was in Alaska? Let me make it a beach. <laughs> and what if he's not alone and has friends? <laughs> but it, it's essentially like it's why those movies appeal to me. It's about two um, young men who kind of want to check out of all society and either live and live amongst nature, even though this is kind of has a cult thing going for it. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the beat. The the thing the beach is it's based on a novel mm-hmm. and directed by Danny Boyle. And yeah, it's about Leonardo DiCaprio is just sort of wandering around Thailand, just trying to find whatever and is told about this like secret beach that you can go to, but don't tell anybody. And so he and some French people go and there's like this little colony of Tilda Swinton and her buddies that are all also checked out of society and just living in the most beautiful place on earth. And then, but Oh no, they told someone about it. And now there's some other guys are here and PS there's a, a drug gang on the other side of the Island. And then there's murderers. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Uh, well, it's really pretty. Uh, it's really pretty, but I, I mean, the thing I remember most about it is like how much absolute environmental destruction the production did on yes. this tropical area time. Oh, like no. millions of dollars of damage. They just like, I, I just have this vision from what I was reading at the time. Like, we didn't tell you, you could bulldoze it. What are you doing? And they, they had already started like tearing up the entire island. Oh, film this no. Shit. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. We have to set dress it so it looks even more pretty. Yeah, right. Like, why? Why? Even, yeah. even have and CG to this, at this day, point. 20. 20 years later, you know, asshole tourists come and, and trash the place to the point where they've they've shut it down for a while to let it recover. Ugh. Because, yeah, it's Kofifi in Thailand. It's incredibly beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do not care for this movie. And in fact, has one of the most embarrassing sequences I've ever seen. Is it the video game sequence? Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> I knew it. That was, that, was, that was bad at the time. But if you want to talk dated, I think we have to talk oh. about the soundtrack consisting of uh, yes. Moby... Uh, you heard Vast it. in the trailer. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Orbital, New Order, um, but not New Order, Faithless. Do you remember Faithless? Ooh, barely. Holy shit. And uh, Sugar Ray, uh, <laughs> Chemical Brothers, blah, 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 blah. Here's a, like, uh, one, it's the first Danny Boyle movie without Ewan McGregor. Rumor being, mm-hmm. if you get rid of Ewan McGregor and put DiCaprio in it, this will be funded a lot more. Mm-hmm. It'll be a lot easier for you to mm-hmm. make. And that's what happened. And they didn't work together again until Train Spotting 2, which is strange. Mm. But it's also mm. um, 
this movie is a little too much like train spotting. And I always compliment Danny Boyle on like everything he makes is vastly different from mm-hmm. the next. And I think that the next movie he makes is like millions. Yes. So I can prove it. Which I love. But, uh, but this is, I don't know. There's a similar, he's talking to a similar audience that he was talking to in train spotting. And I can sort of see like his lesson learned from this, like, well, I won't do that again. <laughs> I'll go, <laughs> I'll go make a kid's movie. I'll go make a, uh, fucking zombie movie i'll go make a guy lost in the mountains movie a fucking bollywood movie another zombie movie another he didn't direct that one but oh he did no no oops sorry but uh the 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 beach i don't hate it and i don't i don't know it's it's i've said this on other podcasts so i'm sorry if i'm repeating myself i do like danny boyle did kind of hit upon us a 90s style and mm-hmm. I like a movie that wears its current period on its sleeve without trying very hard. Mm-hmm. And I agree. this is a very dated movie. But whenever I look back on shit from like the 2000s and shit, like other than the cell phones, like it's all has a bunch of classic music in it. You like tried your best to not date it, to not live in the moment. Mm-hmm. And it was a it was a time of feeling like this in young people and really awful uh, electronica. <laughs> and so like it's it's <laughs> all over the movie. And I, I dig that. I still I do still kind of dig that. Uh, but the beach, no one else will ever recommend to you. I'm not even sure that I want to. Yeah, yeah. like I, I appreciate trying to tell a story. You know, like the whole point of it seems to be it's like you can't escape human nature. Mm-hmm. It's like you can try to run away from people, but you can never run away from yourself, I guess. I've always wondered why you can't Sorta. ever have a commune movie where that's not the point. I think it's yeah. you ever notice it's all made by like cucumber martini sipping studio executives like that will never work out there. That society's <laughs> going to fall apart instantly. Uh, I don't know. why. Well, talk- yeah, some of it's just human nature, I guess. I, I mean, we're meant to cooperate, but we also uh, are inherently selfish. We, and we- there's there's a way better way to make that movie than, uh, yeah, fucking up thailand and embarrassing. Right. Yeah. The point where Leonardo DiCaprio loses his mind a little bit and thinks he's in a video game. Is so embarrassing. I know, to but watch. It's, it's funny because he he. This is during the scene where he's ostracized from the main community and has to like essentially live alone. I did Outward Bound and had to do something similar called a solo where you're left out in the woods, and it really is a good way to feel insane mm. after like three mm. days like outside alone, not talking to anyone, and mm-hmm. he starts messing with the drug dealers because he's bored. Yeah. And he said, I imagined it like a video game. And that's how they shoot it. And it's silly as shit. And I don't know why I haven't seen it gift more often. <laughs> Maybe I'll yeah. do it. Um, yeah. This, I mean, it made some movie because it's Leonardo DiCaprio's first like solo starring role after Titanic. And yeah, I mean, it made it made a bunch of money. It made more money than Topsy Turvy and Titus combined, yeah. <laughs> honestly. And I like those movies much more. And they take more creative risks by far. Yeah, I think I think that's why I like watch them. And the beach is more of like an odd curiosity now than like a good movie. Right. Because like I think both the movies Danny Boyle made before and after this, it's A Life Less Ordinary and Twenty Eight Days Later. And Twenty Eight Days Later mm. is or uh, A Life Less Ordinary, if you didn't hear that episode where we talked about it, is just ridiculous. But in yeah. a in a good way. It it tells you it's gonna go for it and goes for it. Uh this is just like a very mainstreamy movie and like it was supposed to be can Leo carry a movie? Surely this will be a biggest hit of Titanic, and it was not. And it kind of gets maligned because it was one of those movies like Titanic that was in the news more for its production than for its merits. Mm. Uh, but moving to television to 2000, February 7th to the 13th, the ABC TV movie Mary and Rhoda. I've yeah. never heard of this. It's the team up of Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda Morgenstern. Really? Yeah. Like they're back together? Yeah, they get back together. They're one's, back. one's divorced, the other's widowed, and they come back together for a uh, adventure and 
It's great. And, I love seeing that. And when trip. there's Maud, when there, when there is Maud, is she not in this? Is she not part of that gang? No. Oh, damn it. No. Sing, single word lady uh, sitcoms. I'm getting confused sometimes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Marion Rota. And then on the seventh, also a lovely episode of Freaks and Geeks. Mm-hmm. And there's a billion reasons why this show is amazing and holds up so fucking well. But a, <laughs> we talked, I think, last about the the pain of Jason Siegel's character, the pain of being in love with <laughs> someone who doesn't love you back. But also, like, uh, this time for the younger sect, it's Sam's desperation to be noticed by women, but he's still got the body of a little kid. And I, it totally happened to me. And to make this an even more glorious experience for me, yes, indulge me, the episode looks in books. He he goes to a store to try and update his outfit, mm-hmm. but it's the year 1981. Mm-hmm. He ends up in a store selling mostly like disco leisure suits, yep. and not as in like, mm-hmm. isn't this hilarious? Like, no, that would have happened. Like these stores were on their way out, but they weren't dead mm-hmm. at this point. And he gets and he just thinks it's the coolest look ever. And I think this is one of the ones that Paul Feig, I believe, or is it? I think it's Paul Feig. This is like an actual story from his growing up life. Can, like, oh this is a real thing that happened to him. I mean, that was one of the things that was so beautiful about the making of Freaks and Geeks is mm-hmm. that they develop storylines based on the writers sitting around <laughs> in a room and telling the most embarrassing worst stories of their childhood and <laughs> high school time and then making a show out of it and finding the joy and the pathos and and. It, it just all gives me it. goosebumps and man, douche chills, all those things. Because I, I tried it. I remember friends who tried it, and it was equally awkward to show up one day with a different hairstyle and I, look. I am Ugh. thinking of a specific day in high school with me showing up with a different hairstyle, and it's, it was rough. You may be able to pull it off like in between the summer, mm-hmm. but man, those kids who tried at Christmas break. I remember one of my friends showed up mm-hmm. one day. He was like, he was just white trash. Then he just showed up with like a backwards hat with a tag hanging out of it and gold chains and a basketball jersey. Oh, I'm like, no. what are you doing, Justin? Uh, <laughs> it oh, was, no. And it wasn't, it wasn't bad. He fit in with like what people were wearing. It was just mm-hmm. so desperate. And, and I think that's one of those things kids pick up on. But to make this, to ease me through this, this comes, this show is produced by uh, J. Elvis Weinstein. We talked about last week because it was his last episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and then in 1990. He's a producer on the show, so he cast a couple of MST guys. So delivering this pain, the man solely responsible is none other than Mystery Science Theater creator Joel Hudson. Mm-hmm. So I'm going there. I love his character in this. He only plays this character like on two or three episodes, but this is his debut. And he's just the guy obsessed with who has not let disco go yet and is willing to recommend <laughs> it to anyone. What is it? This is a Parisian night suit. And I predict every trend-setting guy in this city is going to own one. Wow. Really? really is right. Buy this garment and I guarantee you'll be perceived as a man of distinction by the ladies. I don't know. Hey, guys, look at me. You know, I'm not a handsome man, but I learned how to style my hair, started wearing some of these clothes. It's been pretty cool. I don't know how to describe you a Parisian (laughs) night suit, but it is a one-piece for a boy with a belt in the middle. And oh goodness, oh goodness! Can you imagine standing in front of a urinal trying to make that all work? You told me in your oh. romper you basically had to get completely naked. Yes, it's true. <laughs> oh yeah, at least I have a stall. Yeah. Oh shit! I've always wanted a reason to drop my whole pants at a stall again, like I'm in kindergarten. Imagine also having your shirt off because <laughs> yeah. that's what's going on here. <laughs> oh, that would freak everybody out, and I, I don't even think I could get in trouble. 
Uh, it came from the beach. <laughs> it's just, it's my Parisian man suit. Leisure uh, suit. But I love this episode. I love Joel. It's so sweet. I love Freaks and Geeks, and we're once again mm-hmm. recommending it, as we'll probably recommend West Wing on the 9th yes. uh, in the 2000s. Uh, take this Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. It's where it's, we meet Marley Matten. It's where we meet Marley Matten, one of my favorite characters hey. from the West Wing. She comes in... Uh, like a wrecking ball, basically. She is a pollster for, and she comes up a lot throughout the entire series. And she comes in, she mainly usually plays a foil to Josh, um, played by Bradley Whitford, because they're both, there's like a lot of sexual tension there, and they're both snarky towards each other. And she's so great, and she's got her interpreter that's with her all the time, who's like helping her out. But half the time, she doesn't even need him, because she's so Mm. expressive and it's just she's a great character. I just wanted to note this is the first time we Isn't see her, her. Her like partner guy, like the same dude who does her shit in real life. Oh, maybe I, think. I don't know. Because I, I, yeah, I, I imagine I, I, you have it's to always have a the pretty same close dude. relationship yeah. for that. And yeah, I, I just love her character so much. She's really fun on the show. Mm. And um, speaking of ladies, I just can't remember a lot about right now. Juliana Margulies. She's the host of SNL this week with oh, DMX. Uh, what's his name? It's also DMX. Uh, but I, I don't. I remember this being not a great one, actually. Yeah. And again, I didn't know who she was. She's the ER lady. She's oh. the good. She's, she's the, the great doctor. Wife. Oh, the good. Oh, the good wife. Yeah, she's a nurse yeah. in the ER. Now okay. she's a good wife. Okay. On the thirteenth, uh, we up against SNL. We have Sally Hemings, an American Scandal, a TV movie with Sam Neill and Carmen. Ijogo? Mm-hmm. Ijogo? I don't know yeah, what this is. Yeah, right. Hey, you remember Thomas Jefferson? Yep. Did you know he owned slaves? Yes. Uh, no. Did you know he owned his girlfriend who he had kids with? Oh, mm. yeah. I did hear about that. He really yeah. he really messed up my 23 and me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. DNA tests have fully confirmed. Uh, also, yeah, Sally Hemings was a slave owned by Thomas Jefferson, um, who was his dead wife's half sister uh oh. they had the same white dad hmm. which so just adding to the fucking creep mm-hmm. and uh yeah they had a relationship you could say can you consent with someone who could just kill you or sell you down the river or hurt your children i would say that's no. definitely up for debate and i'm gonna go with a no yeah i'm gonna no go with a hard dynamic no there one. but yeah whatever it is Running fathers, uh, they had problems. They're they're not gods, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> but I appreciate that the descendants of Jefferson have finally started to like come around after the DNA test and realize, like, now Sally Hemings' descendants, of whom there are many, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, we're we're kin, we're all family. You guys get into the club. You can all be in Daughters of the American Revolution now. Mm. Why would you want to? But okay, I know, <laughs> Mom. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> yep, I just so, remember them making me write essays in elementary school. Yeah, uh, and uh, so yeah, there's that, and I find it weird that yeah they have no Americans starring in it. Uh, I think Carmen Ajogo is British, and Sam Neill is an Aussie. Yeah, New, Z- New Zealand it uh, or Kiwi. I, yeah, I never. I'm not sure. I, I only know that from yeah. uh, his casting on a recent Rick and Morty episode in Hunt for the Wilder People. And uh, yeah. so not scolding. On the, also on, on the 13th, or maybe the 14th. No, it's the 13th. The mm-hmm. Sopranos, Big Girls Don't Cry. Mm. Uh, a really good. Uh, uh, Sopranos doesn't have any bad episodes right. for a while. It yeah. just doesn't. This one covers some ground, too. It's a really... Oh, poor Christopher. He goes He's to... He's my favorite part. You, me, too. Mm. He's in the screenwriting for actors class, or acting for screenwriters oh, class. For screenwriter yes, class. that's what it is. And I do this every time anybody mentions like an acting course. A... B, 
Hey, Pete. Like, <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, God, I don't want to take one of those again. Yeah. Still might. And it's it's such a I was commenting to Sam about it because his storyline in this is that he has to do these acting pieces and he ends up actually being pretty good and yeah. really reaching into his trauma and like really coming up with some real emotion. But because he is so ill equipped to deal with any of that, he, of course, messes it up, ends up punching a guy out in the class, running away and then throwing all of his writing away. It's, it should be just... it should be a hack point. Like he disappears into his emotions during an acting scene, but he's very specifically doing a scene from Rebel Without a Cause, a movie mm-hmm. that means a lot to him, mm-hmm. which is from his childhood when his father also disappeared and he's channel he's channeling something and really hits a groove. So since he emotes in front of the class, he has to beat the shit out of his scene partner. Right. And I think he calls them like a very nasty slur on the way out. Yeah. It's just it's so sad and uh Michael Imperioli is so good because his facial expressions this poor guy is so ill-equipped to deal. And you just like look at him and think like, man, this, he had a lot of potential. He could have been really good and, and something else. But like the combination of like childhood trauma, some definitely emotional issues and just the environment that he's in just kind of gave him a, a loaded gun to his head growing yeah, up. They don't, and it they just, don't say it's it. It's so sad to They me. never say it ex- and drug use, of expressly, course, but uh, Christopher Moltisanti's character, Michael Imperioli's character on Sopranos, is the young one, but also I think part of the last generation that mm-hmm. kind of forced their kids to go into their line of work. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. AJ and Meadow are like, stay the fuck away. Right. You're going to college. You're going to be the best. And now this guy is beat into his head. You were going to belong to this community and there's no way out. Right. It, 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 I don't know. I love, I love, I love and hate some of these episodes mm-hmm. where he goes through that, yeah. but it's a really so, good episode. And then also Furio comes to America. Yes. And so we get to see Furio. the start of that whole storyline which he shows up and everyone's like oh shit he's for real I mean, he immediately he- shows up and some guy is being kind of light on his payments he just punches a woman in the face yeah. shoots a guy in the leg mm-hmm. and, then, <laughs> and then just takes all their money and breaks his hand yeah it's mm-hmm. he's not oh. playing around yes he's furio not just a clever name mm. and uh on the 13th i find it odd in two different decades we are talking about in a show that's run 30 years and characters don't age we're talking about two of them who have canonically died Bleeding Gums Murphy mm-hmm. and Maud Flanders in the episode. I can't believe it's twenty years. It's... I am so old. Yeah, because this, so this is the Simpsons. This is one of the <laughs> Simpsons episodes that, like, I don't feel as strongly about the Simpsons as I used to, but it still makes me feel icky. They really do kill, like, not a beloved character. They, I remember, like, who who are they going to kill? Is it going to be Ned, Homer, Bart, or Maud Flanders? And like, of course, it's going to be already. Why do I even have a choice here? Just say nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which course. is such a harmless character. Yes. The show. The, that's the point. It's like there's no reason to kill her because, you know, she can still be around to have Ned play off of. But I'm only juxtaposing it with just, Moaning Lisa, it. which they is a very James L. Brooks emotionally grounded episode that's a lot less like a cartoon. They do murder her comedically forever yeah. at a NASCAR event with a T-shirt cannon in, in, on screen. Yeah. And she, yep. she's just, and it's still like watching it again. Like, God, that still feels weird. Why? And, uh, well, <laughs> what I, is the point? I think they're resorting to they're It's it's ten years of the Simpsons. They're mm-hmm. resorting to stunts at this point. Mm-hmm. Barney will get sober. People will die, uh, and, and people will come back. But uh, Reverend Lovejoy will give Maud a touching eulogy. Plays Maud Flanders was a supporting player in our lives. She didn't grab our attention with memorable catchphrases or. 
comical accent. But whether you noticed her or not, Maud was always there. And we thought she always would be. My friend's life is about change. Just yesterday, Apu was a lonely bachelor. <laughs> Napu has eight kids now. Yeah, so things are changing on The Simpsons. I think in hindsight, as someone who has not been very eagle-eyed with a lot of Simpsons after this era, mm-hmm. having Ned Flanders date is interesting. It is, yeah. it is interesting, especially True. for his character, because... I know I'm not. I don't have two kids. I'm, I guess I'm probably Ned Flanders' age. You, you lack a lot of choice and agency with who you get to date mm. at this point. So that's why Ned Flanders ends up with, in some weird places. And I'm starting to feel for that now. Um, not not right right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm totally okay. Anyway, let me move on before I fucking reveal anything else about myself. But uh, February the <laughs> February games February seventh and through the thirteenth, and uh, specifically we have. Not a lot, but Vagrant Story on PS1, a game I haven't played, but I'm sure Matt and Michael have, and we'll talk about it on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Um, Is it a single. hobo simulator? No. No. Ow. Hark a Vagrant Story and uh, SNK <laughs> Gals Fighters. Due to the spelling of this, I guess it's exclusively for women. There's a possessive yes. in there, uh, but Don't it's for Neo Geo it. Pocket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just for us. And I think they're coming up on like another version of this with SNK uh, for the first time in years. So how about that? And uh, that about concludes the year 2000, February 17th to the 13th. We're going to go out with a, oh God, why do you put these words in here? Cherche la ghost. Cherche la ghost by Ghostface Killer. And we will be right back with 2010. Don't move. Fire Dr. Berserk's Bacardi Lime. We're passing it. Takes to shake your cabin climber. Before the floor gets moist. Case and follow mine. Swallow nine. Model dimes from Bahamas. Slim doodle makers stuffed inside pajamas. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of February 7th through 13th, we have a recommendation that should be unnecessary for several reasons. One, you should have already heard of this movie and already seen this movie. And two, we talked about Federico Fellini for his 100th anniversary a couple weeks ago, and I told you all to go watch this movie. And y'all probably didn't listen to me. So we are going to talk about the 60th anniversary of 1960 of La Dolce Vita, directed by Federico Fellini, starring Marcello Mastroianni, Anita Ekberg, Anouk Ami. It's kind of an episodic movie, and it sort of bounces all over the place, and it's fascinating that way. And that it's like, it's 1960, a swing in Italy. Everyone's wearing really tight pants and skinny ties. And there's, you know, uh, it's about a newspaper, you know, he's, it's about a reporter. And so he's got to, like, go talk to, you know, this uh, famous actress that's coming in and show her around. He's got to go cover the story about these kids who say they saw the Virgin Mary. Got to go cover a story about this thing that washes up on the beach. They're not sure what the hell it is. And just sort of rambles around and is just it really ends up being a lot of fun and it's gorgeous to look at even in black and white i know you're gonna be like "Eh, it's black and white and it's foreign it's just like you you feel like you're there in a lot of ways and also fun fact it's where we get the word paparazzi there you go because uh, one of the annoying journalists is named Paparazzo, which means like, a little little buzzing insect and and that's where it comes from so happy 60th anniversary to that phrase i guess 
Yay. La Dolce Vita, 1960. Federico Fellini. A good introduction to Fellini. Good movie by itself. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in at 2010 with Why Don't We Just Dance by Josh Turner off of Haywire. You know, we have at least three celebrities with the name of Josh, and I could never pick them out of a lineup if you ever showed me them. Is that guy from, is he a country singer from from How I Met Your Mother? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> or from... Uh, da, da, da. Better be funny. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Catching fire. There it is. Mockingbird. Oh, there you go. I got him. Mockingjay. Uh, is it Groban? It could be Groban. Ooh, could be a Groban. See? Wouldn't be able to pick any of them out. Welcome to 2010, everyone. February 7th to the 13th. Uh, yeah, Josh. Joshy boys got haywire out. Dude, um, if your voice can go that low, is there like any other genre of music you can sing? It, mm. it can. I've just been working on my Winnie the Pooh all day. I'm well, not going to. Barbershop quartet, obviously. Mm. Oh, you're right. You yeah. can be the guy who apologizes <laughs> in a Boys to Men song. Also that. Baby, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got new releases from Massive Attack with uh, Haligo Island. Why not? Uh, Odd Blur. Well, you say it. Haligoland. Haligoland. Is that how it's said? Legoland. That makes more sense if you know Legoland. Uh, <laughs> Odd Blood by a Yesayer and Love by Angels and Airwaves. Oh, just a bunch of stuff I wouldn't listen to if you paid me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, TikTok by Kesha is still number one. And man, I love shit like this that doesn't feel nostalgic or even that old. But on the 8th in the news, the Nerdist podcast launches. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think whether... What, no matter what you think of Mr. Hard, uh, Captain Hard Dick, that's kind of the first podcast I saw sort of breakthrough. Yeah, and mm-hmm. every like pe- most people I knew had sort of heard about it. Mm-hmm. You had your comedy bang bangs and your Mark Marones, but um, yeah, it was a really young medium ten ten years ago, and that's oh, yeah. why they got to Nerdist got to be famous with terrible equipment and without really trying that hard. Mm-hmm. These are my famous friends. We're going to talk to every. We're going to talk about whatever, and I'll relate it all back to stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and I yeah, thought, I listened to my share of the Nerdist, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yes, uh, not even getting into the potentially unsavory things about Chris Hardwick's personal life, mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. on-air persona. After a while, you just kind of got enough of it. Like you're just very <laughs> yeah. excited about everything. Really, everything's the best and coolest and funniest <laughs> thing in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't believe you. Mm, really, don't drink anymore. This is the first time you mentioned it. Um, <laughs> and and uh, welcome to movies of two, 2010s. It's going to be terrible. No, it's fine. Uh, Dear John moves up to number one, finally knocking Avatar out of the box office. Uh, there the top spot. it is. Can Ooh. you believe who took down Avatar, then the highest Dear grossing John. film of all time? Channing it was Tato. freaking Dear John, the autism camp with horses. I love you. You're in Iraq. We're sad movie. Yep. I already forgot what it was Pretty about, much. and we talked about it for 10 minutes. 9-11 ruined our relationship movie. Oh. <laughs> Good for you, dear John. Someone had to do it. You know what? I'll st- Why okay not? to destabilize my relationship. The battle of the middle brow entertainment. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's the case for our name. My name is Khan. Put an echo on that. It'll work. Shah yeah. Rukh Khan. Shah Rukh Khan and, and Kajol. 
Um, this is one of the highest grossing Indian films of all time. Really? So I had wow. to throw it in there. Unfortunately, all the n- numbers I found were in rupees, and I was not going to take the time. <laughs> but, like, it earned, like, a billion rupees. So I'm going to assume wow. that's quite a bit of money. I thought they maxed and, out at a thousand. I'm a Zelda player. Um, uh, <laughs> um, but, no, I mean, it stars Shah Rukh Khan, who's one of the biggest Bollywood stars. It's mostly filmed in the U.S. I mean, it's a Bollywood film that's shot on location here in the U.S., and it's about... Uh, family and kind of dealing with like post 9-11 racism and profiling and trying to keep the family together and stuff and i haven't watched it i've heard it's very good and like i said anytime something is like the most popular or highest grossing thing of somewhere i feel like as an educated person i should find out what it is right i agree with you if something appeals to an entire society that right. much you got to be a like, little curious yeah and I like Shah Rukh Khan. I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. I've seen him in a couple things. Mm. He's a he's a very good actor. So is he playing himself? <laughs> not really. Okay. Maybe he is. I don't know. I don't no, know. he's not really. Is he playing Ricardo Montalban? That'd be cool. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I forgot his name in the movie. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. So <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I giggled at myself. <laughs> um, and uh, wow, and the. A movie that will win the award for too many words. Also out this week, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief, Sincerely Julie Newmar is out <laughs> and uh, starring, let's see who I can recognize here. Steve Coogan. Okay. Uma Thurman. Uh, yeah. Rosario Dawson. Got it. Sean uh, Seen Bean. Seen Bean. Catherine Keener. And some kids, <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, for the failed attempt at Harry Potter, we have Percy Jackson. And the award-winning bestseller. What's going on? The gods are real. You are the son of Poseidon. God of the seas. Wow. The war is coming. What can we do? All demigods have inherited skills. You want to save the world? Take this to defend yourself. It's a powerful weapon. This is a pen. Only use it in times of severe distress. This looks ridiculous. It's a pen (laughs) because words... Are the most Ooh. powerful. Is, is, did this suck? This sucks. I, I watched. I ended up watching both the Percy Jackson movies for uh, like a bad movie Sunday. I do with my friends. Mm-hmm. This uh, sucks and is dumb. It like, I mean, maybe the books are better because I know they strayed from the books a bit on this, but it is so Harry Potter. Mm. You're the special chosen one. We're gonna p- pick you from obscurity and your shitty background, and now everything's gonna be great. You're gonna be whisked away to the magical land, and you're the special one, and everyone loves you. Ooh, you're so great. Also, Pierce Brosnan <laughs> has horse legs. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's horse probably legs. the funniest thing in this movie, is that Pierce Brosnan is like a teacher who uses a wheelchair, and it turns out he's actually a centaur. Oh, that's oh. awesome. Please tell me there's an action figure of this. Oh, my God. I'm oh, imagining I so. a Pierce Brosnan, but as a Mr. Tumnus, basically. Mm. Oh, no. He's got the full horse body. What? Yeah. How is it sitting in the wheelchair? Also, <laughs> to settle an internet internet debate, how is he wearing his pants? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you haven't seen that Christopher Walken right. centaur sketch? He learns everything. <laughs> is there centaur pornography? <laughs> yeah this no this is is pretty bad i mean a lot of those people they're basically cameos uma thurman cameos as uh medusa fine whatever um yeah i I, I cannot stand logan lerman the guy who stars in it he's been in so much stuff i don't know why i cannot fucking stand him the little kid the well he's not a little kid but like the teenage pj yeah yeah (laughs) 
Not a fan of him either. I think because he looks like in a lab manufactured by Disney. Ah. Like, he mm. just kind of has that Justin Bieber haircut, and the, it's like, oh, yeah, you're supposed to be a heartthrob, I guess. Well, I can see... Yes? I, I understand why you have to try... Harry Potter can't be the only series like it, mm-hmm. yet it sort of has been, give or mm-hmm. take what where you consider Twilight in the young adult fiction mm-hmm. er, arena. And I just... I know that the pe- kids like the Percy Jackson books, but I just don't... Mm-hmm. But adults didn't, so it didn't have that Harry Potter thing where everybody wanted to go to it. Mm. To it, I do wonder. This is probably for a separate podcast. Uh, I, sometimes I like to just go walk through Walmart and not buy anything, but they have a book section, and it's it's odd. It's obviously it says something about the death of literature a, a little bit, but it's also like these books still align the shelves of Walmart, making them like one of a hundred. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. they're still moving copies. So maybe there's another chance for the film series. I would I guess Netflix I, series. I don't know. Yeah, I could see that ending up being some some sort of Netflix series. Because, yeah, I mean, what's the point of Harry Potter? Is, well, it turns out magic is real and you're a special little boy. And this mm-hmm. is, well, it turns out Greek gods are real and you're a special little boy. I think. Even- and then all the magical people are going to tell you about how great you are and we'll all align with you and then we'll help you fight the bad guy. It, it's a clunky title. So if you maybe take out the yeah, Olympians or yeah. Percy Jackson, you could say the Olympians and the Lightning Thief yeah. or Percy Jackson yeah. and the Lightning Thief. Do yeah, that. sometimes it went by Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, but technically its title is Percy Jackson and the Olympians colon the Lightning Thief. Yeah, it's one of those things where no, it sucks to be a reviewer. And, er, well, it's, and it sucks. Uh, I'll tell you what I no, don't think. I hated it. I, I hated it. I, well, I, I'm, I'm curious to hear your opinion on this because I know where we stand on the original and uh, I'm excited to talk about Aza Butterfield, Hugo Weaving, Geraldine Chaplin, Emily Blunt, uh, Anthony Hopkins again, and Benicio Del Toro. There are those who doubt the power to change men into beasts. Do you believe in curses? <laughs> On February 12th. I don't hate this movie at all. Okay. Yeah. I'm surprised to hear that, honestly. Well, uh, I don't know. There's just a, like, I just, I've always liked werewolves. And they are cool as hell. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, if you haven't been, Rick Baker was on a whirlwind podcast tour talking about his uh, new books, which I want but could never afford. Uh, <laughs> but he's the guy who created the, I think for my money, the best werewolf transition sequence from an American werewolf in London. And he, yeah. he was just like, this production was like, I've never been involved with something where, like, nobody wanted to do it from every executive down to the director. And it was, like, him and Benicio Del Toro, Mm -hmm. who apparently helped champion the idea, like, no, this is going to be no fucking around physical, like, makeup effects with enhancement CG. But, like, we're doing traditional makeup. And I would guess probably we're adamant about the period which it's set, which isn't going to do it Mm -hmm. any favors. But, hey, people like Sleepy Hollow, so who knows? But I, I think... They made it. They, I think, if I'm being fair, they made a very personal movie for people who really like the Wolfman, um, the Lon Chaney version, mm. and maybe not for everyone else because the Wolfman's kind of mm-hmm. a. I mean, like the Wolfman's just the the original Hulk. Like mm-hmm. it's something every little yeah. boy can love. Yeah, and and probably a little girl. I don't know. Uh, who, mm-hmm. Who's the little girl's universe favorite Universal monster? Can't be Bride of Frankenstein. She screams mm. real quick and almost dies. Well. Mm. 
probably Dracula because he's sexy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or the Invisible Man, so we'd never have to see him. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but the Wolfman is out this week, and it just it just has sequences that, like, it never occurred to me that the original Wolfman, when I was growing up watching on television, wasn't violent. So this movie's like, yeah, these would all be very violent and gory deaths. Oh, and, yeah. And the Wolfman slaps someone's head off, which is neat. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> which is yep. neat. And I think yeah. Overall, the movie doesn't quite do it for me, but there's a couple scenes that I like. Where I mean, there's there's a good transformation scene where then he busts out and we get the mayhem. Like I'm looking for some mayhem because you know it's the 1890s, so I want I want some mayhem. Mm. You know, I, there's gotta be that. You know, he like runs into a blind lady and then like scares a horse and the horse topples over a thing and some barrels come off of it and then like a whole bus falls over. It's like yes, mayhem. <laughs> I love like, yeah, it. if a wolf man is ro- running down the street, I want there to be a lot of crazy shit happening because of it. Right, because the wolf man, if nothing else, is a pubescent agent of chaos, and that's the way the world should be when he's around. This is not just yeah. a werewolf. This is the wolf man. Copyright, yeah. trademark, if you can actually yeah. do it. So, yeah, it's okay. I guess I appreciate them doing it as a period film. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they I'm sure they really, really didn't want them to do that at the studio. I'm kind of surprised they went for it. Yeah, I would bet. And uh, Joe, yeah, uh, Joe Johnston was like the ninth director attached. Benicio was, he really wanted to do the movie. He, I think they said they signed him up in 06 and had a lot of trouble wow. getting this made. Wow. And, wow. Uh, yeah, and I think that does sort of show. But it's, you know, whatever. Mm. It's still at the end of the day, a fucking Wolfman movie. And that's okay. With effects by Rick Baker. So suck a dick. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I feel like it's not that good, but I didn't feel like I was wasting my time. Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. make any sense? Yes, that is a very specific feeling about a movie. Yeah. It's, I it's, appreciate it's, it's no Jack Nicholson's wolf, mm. which Ooh. was wasting your time. <laughs> <laughs> Man, and here's some counter-programming. Speaking of wasting time, I feel like yeah. I could either read the cast list or read a list of people who aren't in this movie. They would be just <laughs> as long. Because uh, what movie stars Kathy Bates, Eric Dane, Queen Latifah, George Lopez, Patrick Dempsey, Jessica Alba, Taylor Lautner, Taylor Swift, Hector Elizondo, Shirley MacLaine, Emma Roberts, Bruce, uh, Bryce Robinson, Jamie Foxx, Jessica Biel, Tover Grace, Anne Hathaway, Julie Roberts, Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Garner, and Ashton Kutcher. For those of you who didn't say Gary Marshall's Valentine's Day, go sit in the corner. The stewardess seems to like you. She looks over here every five seconds. Five, four. Okay, stop. Can I get you anything? Um, Maybe a bag of pretzels. You don't step into love, my friend. You fall in, head over heels. <laughs> Valentine's Day is about love. It's about romance. It's about... Oh, oh, I'm in my place you. before it. Oh! Have you been Valentine's Day? This film is not yet rated. It starts February. This film sounds excruciating. Is this yeah. the first of the Gary Marshall Day movies? Uh, Did they do New Year's Day yet? No, I think New Year's Day comes after, after this. New Year's Eve, yeah. New Year's mm-hmm. Eve, and then Mother's Day comes after that. Yes. Oof. Diminishing returns every time. But yeah. I do sort of like the idea in 2010s, like, hey, look, maybe star power doesn't mean as much, but let's diversify. Yes. Let's, we'll, we'll pay let's... these big actors short film money to be in the movie for about Five to ten mm-hmm. minutes a piece, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't. I just. I, I don't know. Is that yeah. satisfying? Because um, I don't hate Love Actually. It's no Boogie Nights. No, it's not <laughs> satisfying. This is not a good movie. <laughs> I remember seeing mm-hmm. it when it came out because I was just wow. Look at all these people. Mm-hmm. They're all beautiful people. Sometimes I'm just in the mood to watch a pretty person do a thing on a film. Mm-hmm. Taylor That's why Swift she's watching me do is the podcast. in it. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. Taylor Swift is in it. That's interesting. Uh, and guess what? It's not. <laughs> the movie's not interesting. This, at this all. was. I, can, I feel like it's like why make a romantic comedy when we can do all the romantic comedy? Right. Yeah. 
I do. Let's just have every kind of romantic comedy, just really short. Just cut them all together. I feel like one of the storylines that I saw that made me very upset was the Taylor, not Taylor, the, um, I was thinking Taylor Lautner, Mm -hmm. the Hector Elizondo and Shirley MacLaine storyline. The hottest one, a lot of nudity. Yeah. It's like she, I think the story there is that she had an affair like 77 years ago (laughs) and he gets really mad about it when he finds out about it. It's like, Dude, she kissed your friend like half a century ago. You've been walking around with the stink of another dude's dick on you I for think, seven days. I think maybe you should get over this pretty quickly. <laughs> Instead, we're just going to make a whole storyline about it. That kind of annoyed me. Um, but yeah, it's not good. It, it's it's yeah. like it, but it, and I love and let me just say, I love Valentine's Day. I was going to say, I for people who love love, I do. I love celebrating Valentine's. How Day. How did the Wolfman have any hope? What movie do you think they were being dragged to on Valentine's Day? If the Wolfman <laughs> is just made up of everyone who wasn't in the movie. <laughs> Poor Emily Blunt. Mm. God. Yeah. She, uh, I cannot endorse this, and I, you know, I've endorsed mm. some real trash. I. I at this point in movie making, I don't recall a film being this successful that was this savaged. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. Like usually, critics, yeah, they, people. We listen more to critics now in an internet age, and mm-hmm. not with this movie. This was hugely successful. Well, and this seemed there's a lot of cynicism surrounding it too. Like, oh, Bradley Cooper's in it, so we're just doing. He's just not that into you again. And oh, we've got Mick Dreamy and Mick Steamy in it from <laughs> Grey's Anatomy. They are, and they may have the same storyline. I can't remember. Uh, plus Taylor Swift, we haven't really seen her be an actress, and we still haven't. <laughs> but you know, can't save a film we saw from Cats. Yes. Uh, <sighs> it, what bugs me about this—that's not what you think. It said, uh, "I know the Mister Show guys were talking about making a, a sketch movie for years, and like if you're going to make a movie like this, which is just a bunch of possibly satisfying little stories, then why can't we have another sketch comedy movie? That's not movie forty-three. I don't want that one." I didn't, yeah. it's, that had its moments, but like I, I want a sketch movie again so bad, mm. so bad. Yeah, I want a Kentucky Fried movie and Amazon Women on the Moon, and I, ha- I have it somewhere. I have a v- a camcorder tape of the Mister Show live tour that was supposed to be the sketch comedy movie because they were like everyone said they wanted it, but no one wanted to make it because no one wants to see a movie like that. And like get all your fucking friend stars to be in it, and you could have a cast list like this and a Mister. Yeah. Show. Anyway, sorry, that's another <laughs> here. Could do that. Um, on the on the tenth, not the tenth, this on the twenty tens of television, February seventh through the thirteenth, the superb owl is happening again. Yep, but it's a historic one. It is. He it says. It is. Well, besides that, you know, the Saints beat the Colts, and everyone's loving the Saints because you know we still remember Katrina and shit. Mm-hmm. And the Who played the halftime. That's fucking awesome. But this is historic because finally, after twenty seven years. Something has higher ratings in the MASH season finale. I think I know why that is and why they why? haven't reached it again. Because I... Oh, no, they've reached it since then. Super Bowls have reached it. But this is the first time anything yes. scripted, live, sports, entertainment, whatever is the first time finally something beat the MASH series finale. We, ha- we had an episode of Laser Time where the topic was the post-game show. Mm. Did you know the f- mm-hmm. they, were you, they always air something big at the end of the Super Bowl that's usually I care more about than the game. And the first thing they aired post Super Bowl was an episode of Lassie, but it was, but it was, it was about the ratings or we made maybe the show about the ratings and it should be clear to you why football is more appealing. It's a live cultural event, but also I believe right now they are now simul broadcasting this abroad. 
which they weren't doing mm. before. So when they start counting households, they're counting households on a global level uh, for one well, of the first times ever. I know ever. they've been simulcasting for a long time because I watched the 98 Super Bowl mm-hmm. in England live. Was it, so is it? So it started at 11 p.m. Is and it a all big the deal? ads were the late night ads. So it was like, and this is the Super Bowl. Now we're going to the ads and you're expecting something expensive. And it's like, hot singles want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> It was so fucking funny. Yeah, and it ended at 4 a.m. Do you like and candy no that tastes weird? <laughs> uh, uh, but, but yeah. I mean, maybe more people are watching it overseas. I'm guessing that. But uh, when I think about, like, well, what was the relative the, population of America in circa 1983 to circa 2010? Well, I think, it took that long for even a Super Bowl. To beat well, the that's, Masters. That's the no. thing. Like the, I don't think there are more Americans than ever watching the Super Bowl. I think there's more people around the world watching the Super Bowl than ever. And But because of that fact, I thought I read this somewhere. I didn't bother looking into it because who knows when we're going to need to talk about this again. But it, it counter it, – it, the global reach ended up counterbalancing, A, the stolen streams, which don't count as mm. a view, and right. uh, Americans' general disinterest, interest abroad. Hmm. I can see that being a factor. I think these are U.S. only numbers, though. Mm. Hmm. Just Could just be. to destroy your entire thesis, mm. I think this is U.S. numbers only. I don't, I don't. I can't imagine they would do that because it is a, simul, a simulcast around the the world kind of thing. So I, I, I imagine yeah. the early Iowa caucus numbers with a couple snafus are American, but the the, the final ones are probably everyone. Yeah, um, but at least one hundred five or one hundred six point five million people. Yeah, well, the only literally the Super Bowl is the only thing left that everyone will turn their TV on to the same thing at the same time. Because I think when we looked it up, the top ten viewed things of the decade are all Super Bowls, and they're They're all all Super Bowls. They're all non scripted stuff. No Mm -hmm. one watches the same TV show at the same time anymore. What's truly bizarre to me is that it took so long to beat Mash, and yet nobody talks about Mash anymore. Like, how is that a how is that possible? That like you'd think for Mash being so big like mm-hmm. nobody talks about mash even now as much as they talk about the brady bunch or you know mm. cheers or sounds like someone hasn't tuned into the seventh hallmark channel like that's <laughs> that's, that's true every day it's on i see it uh i don't i, I know it's still airing somewhere yeah. out there yeah yeah there's some true. cable channel i get that has big blocks of mash and every now and then i'll drop in and well that's yeah, the, and this is, again neither here nor that when i got an antenna that's where I discovered all these shows are airing like mm-hmm. 15 times a day mm-hmm. if you yeah. don't have any kind of cable and you don't stream. Today, I had to explain to someone who is my age who Alan Alda is. <gasps> and it oh, no. was upsetting. That's, that's a shame. Oh, it was so, very Go upsetting. back and watch some MASH. MASH is a good up? damn show. <sighs> it was a baby. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. MASH is a, and I was in that series finale, bitch. Mash is a fine show. Um, as uh, I just, I'm still, I cannot get over that. Okay, first of all, if these are U.S. numbers, that's a th- one out of every three TVs in the U.S. is turned to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I can kind of believe that, but the fact that nowhere in the '90s, nowhere in like 2005 or so, we could not beat those numbers for Mash. Mm-hmm. That. That's mind-boggling. I, I, I only remember. I can't believe it took that long. The yeah. speculation was: Will the Seinfeld finale be right. mashed? Right. It, it, had, right. it had a similar situation mm-hmm. where it's in its umpteenth season, but it's going out on top where mm-hmm. most shows do not. And 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 this that scenario hasn't even pre- presented itself again. P- mm. Things tend oh, to go yeah. away when they're kind of already over. Yeah, and mm. especially on yep. network television. Well, and it's, 
I feel like these numbers have to be America only because the whole point of counting them is for advertising reasons. And if the advertising is different right. overseas, then what's the point in counting those households? Because they might be seeing the same ads. And also, like, the idea of, like, th- one in three households, like, every time I've watched the Super Bowl, it has been not at my house. It has been at someone else's. So, like, yeah, that's, e- even that's then. That's a good point. It is, it is a group watch right, situation. It's usually a group watch. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I can't imagine those numbers you see finalized on your wikis and your uh, whoever. It's a comm score now. The Nielsen's are gone. Uh, also during the Super Bowl, Diana highlighted this ad. Hello, ladies. Look at your man. Now back to me. Now back at your man. Now back to me. Sadly, he isn't me. But if he stopped using ladies' scented body wash and switched to Old Spice, he could smell like he's me. Look down. Back up. Where are you? You're on a boat with the man your man could smell like. What's in your hand? Back at me. I have it. It's an oyster with two tickets to that thing you love. Look again. The tickets are now diamonds. Anything is possible when your man smells like Old Spice and not a lady. I'm on a horse. Uh, yeah, I remember there was a good week there where I'm on a horse was a little oh, bit of yeah. a water cooler catchphrase. Yeah, that was a big one. This is the premiere of that guy as the Old Spice. It's Sp- the premiere of Isaiah Mustafa as the Old Spice and guy. He's, he's almost... And ex- he was back this year. He's back every year, but he, he's like almost exclusively a Super Bowl mm-hmm. spokesman because Terry Crews does it online and That's true. for other reasons. But this guy, is he Super Bowl only, I wonder? I, I do. No. The only thing. No, I mean, it was just they, they had kind of a series of them, you know, through 2010, mm-hmm. 11 into uh, looks like 13 or so. And then, yeah, then it did come back for a couple of Super Bowl commercials uh, a couple of years ago. And now this year again, where it turns out, oh, no, there's a son that he's bothering while wearing a towel. No, he's in another crossover one this year. And he was in the right. David Harbour tight ad series like a year or two yep. ago as well. And, yep. and so, I, yeah, I just I don't. I don't know. But the coolest thing about that, why I'm happy to celebrate it, as uh, I, I'll tell you what I think about 1917 and this, uh, this week's Laser Time, all about the Oscars. The behind the scenes of that is crazy. I just assumed it was CGI. All that shit is real and occurring oh, no. in camera, and the behind the scenes is amazing. What? Yes. Like, everything that he holds up or falls around his shoulder or be a horse being lifted up underneath him, that's happening in one shot on one, in one take. And it's, yeah, it's why you can't enjoy mm-hmm. 1917 and trailers. It, <laughs> you don't know how much, how much, what the process was like behind it, and it's oh my gosh, it's pretty astounding. That's awesome. So I think they filmed that too. I remember seeing it, so it's probably online somewhere. All right. I'll um, that. And uh, also, Undercover Boss is the post game show, isn't it? The mm-hmm. it comes on after the Super Bowl. Okay. That debuts. So? Uh, I've never seen an episode of it, but I have seen the second Adam Driver Kylo yes. Ren SNL sketch about it, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> One of my most weirdly popular tweets back when I used to do such things mm-hmm. was, uh, I regret few things more than all the time I spent watching Heroes. <laughs> and thank God Amen. it wraps up for the first time. What a waste of fucking time. Yeah. What a show just <sighs> to be a show. Yeah. God damn it. You're, it you, had potential. If you think you're mad at J.J. Abrams, holy Lord, Heroes. Yeah. Heroes. Mm-hmm. What a fucking, what a show just spinning its wheels for another season. Like, holy shit. There was nothing going on there. Thank God on the 11th, we can uh, bring ourselves back up with a little Parks and Rec, yep. Galentine's Day. A great episode and a great concept. This yeah. th- this is not that, it's not a, f- I, hate, I try and get clips for every Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. and it's just helping me notice that like, maybe Parks and Rec isn't, isn't, it's not always laugh out loud funny, or like, the dialogue wasn't as funny as I remembered, it's, it's like, 
the editing and mm-hmm. the framing of things mm-hmm. makes the show fucking hysterical. Mm-hmm. Or, or the dead And there is a lot yeah, there's a lot of sight gags for sure. Yes. And, and a, a lot of visual stuff. And and if you mm-hmm. don't like the offices format, they lean way into like punctuating a joke with a testimonial. Like it's Which it's a huge part of the show. It's funny because there is no reason for the testimonial. There's no yeah. documentary <laughs> through. They're just talking. That wasn't interesting. It's just a town full of lunatics who are just talking to themselves. <laughs> in hallways yes. basically <laughs> I like that theory I like that theory uh, but so every week I try and get a Parks and Rec clip I'm like that's not that funny yeah like and, and I and I wonder why, so I just yeah it was something I came up with now the, the show's still fucking wonderful mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it's just funny in a different way that's hard to show you in audio but this is what Galentine's Day is What's Galentine's Day? Oh, it's only the best day of the year. Every February 13th, my lady friends and I leave our husbands and our boyfriends at home and we just come and kick it breakfast style. Ladies celebrating ladies. It's like Lilith Fair minus the angst. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> I suppose. And more breakfast foods. Yes. I love few things more about Leslie Nope and her commitment to breakfast foods. I am very with mm-hmm. her on that. Me too. And, yep. and on the 12th, the Winter Olympics open in Vancouver. Anyway, oh, actually, all, our, oh, all the broadcast networks are so happy they don't have to travel far and they don't have to fuck up the schedule. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my God, it's happening in North America in one of our time zones. Oh, thank God. We have to learn a new language. We don't have to bring any outlet converters. And, uh, but I remember watching this with Tyler Wilde, um, whose memorial studio we're in now, who is very much Canadian. And he was sort of losing his shit, like, uh, just because, like, all right, William Shatner, he's a cool Canadian. And then, like, a giant inflatable moose and beaver start parading <laughs> around on the ice. Like, man, fuck yeah. this. God damn it. Really? A moose and beaver? Is there nothing else we've contributed to the zeitgeist, mm. to the world, <laughs> nope. than a moose and a beaver? Just that. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, apparently not, buddy. I'm, would you like to think of one? Mm. Ooh, it's you tough, ought right? to know there are a couple. Just remember, he's good. meekly saying <laughs> X Files episodes. Like they shot, they shot I, those see, in. I distinctly remember that from the closing ceremonies, and I remember that means we also they also contributed Neil Young mm. and Michael J. Fox, and yes, William Shatner making a joke about having sex in a canoe. Jim Carrey and Kids in the Hall. That's there you mean. go. Look, pretty much everyone that was funny and famous in the nineties mm-hmm. was Canadian. Lauren Michaels, yes. Um, and video games of 2010. Once again, we will talk about this more in depth on uh, patreon.com slash laser time. Once a month, tell you more about all the games that came out, including some anecdotes, because we were working in the games industry at this time, both promoting and uh, writing about these things with special appointments. I can't tell you which one of these games had a enormous marzipan severed leg cake that was the most disgusting thing I've oh, ever seen in my no. life, but was so delicious. Oh. I can't tell you which one of these games did that, but we will on that show. Um, feel free mm. to guess. Is it Blaster Master Overdrive for WiiWare? A, a game that is completely lost and is re- the return, the long-awaited return of Blaster Master. Dragon Ball Origins 2, and there's nothing I hate more than the word Origins followed by 2. Uh, <laughs> Super Monkey Ball Step and Roll. There is one of my favorite series that burnt out real quick, mostly by committing to gimmicks, in this case being the Wii... Oh, am I forgetting what it's called? Is it Wii Fit or the Wii Step thing? The thing that looks like a scale. Uh, Yes, the the leany thingy. But the, the, the big games you play this week are either A, Dante's Inferno, or B, Bioshock 2, which the biggest Bioshock (laughs) about that game. Is that it was done without the original creators. Uh, no one wanted to see a sequel to this game that was like very self-contained. 
And like, yeah. this is just a shameless money grab. And it's like, it's excellent. Some people would say it's on par or better than Bioshock. I'll definitely say it's better than Bioshock. I'm it. Uh, but mm. Bioshock 2 is, was almost needlessly good. And, uh, and, and yeah, couldn't be happier to tell you all about it. And, uh, and Patreon. Uh, speaking of which, I'm going to say Jason Walsh, another uh, executive producer of ours. Um, patreon.com slash laser time help us helps us bring the show to you each and every week stay tuned because diana's going to tell you who died and we're going to do a birthday quiz but we do have to get that out listen to the oscar time episode of laser time this week it is a oh, long 17 one. hours of yes. it it is a long one we so, have a you, lot of opinions if you get started now oh, you yeah. can be done by the time this happens and again we wrote new sketches Brand new ones. We're not doing old sketches. This is not fucking... You're not watching the tour of the Monty Python people or Whitest Kids You Know. We're not doing old shit. We make new, brand new sketches acted and cold read <laughs> for you this week. So please listen to that. It's sort of our Super Bowl. We work... I have been calculating the hours I have spent on that, including the movie viewing. It is like... This is this is like a fucking graduate thesis for me. Like, this sucks. <laughs> and it's taking me... It's taking me like tens of hours just to edit. Uh, so like, please... Check that out, or just consider becoming a patron, where the price of a cup of coffee can help keep this show afloat, as well as Laser Time, Video Game Apocalypse, Bonus Time. Di, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at listeningerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, that's 302010podcast. Tragic deaths this week, a lot. So, so many. Okay, let's let's go in order then. So, 1990, we lost Del Shannon, he was 55, he's a singer-songwriter who wrote Runaway, which everyone knows. I'm a-walking in the rain. That one? Is it the Run, 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 Runaway? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Way to not go with the chorus. <laughs> I went to the chorus. What are you talking about? Anyway, but uh, he was 55. Unfortunately, he Jesus. suffered from severe depression and died by suicide. So oh. if you're also feeling depressed, please tell someone. Right. Let's go with that. 2010, we lost fashion designer Alexander McQueen, who was 40, also dying by suicide. So we bunch those together those people both had a lot more to give mm-hmm. and that makes me angry right uh again that we had a trigger warning on last week's bonus time because um matt was pretty broken up over the kobe thing to talk and then we were talking yeah. about celebrity deaths and i am i don't think we should ever cease to be astounded that like when kurt cobain committed suicide that was like a crazy thing that had never happened before and now it happens way too much mm. well and, i still i still have a problem with your thesis there what? it happened before just people didn't talk about it. Yeah. yeah, that 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 could totally be true too. But I mean, just that like it has to say something for people. So many people that young people look up to. Um, mm. Like if you think of if you include YouTube celebrities in there, which I do, that shit's crazy and like a weird epidemic we're not talking about yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I, suicide yeah. is far more prevalent for young people than it was for people my age. Jesse, mm. keep going, die. Sorry. But still, that Alexander McQueen was so revolutionary and that he was only 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking mind-blowing. And then in 2000, we got a lot. Let's start with, as you mentioned before, Charles Schultz, who was 77, creator of Peanuts. Tom Landry, who was 75, a f- football coach. Roger Vadim, who was 72, the filmmaker. He made well, Tom Landry, also the namesake of Bobby Hills Middle School. Bobby Hills School, yeah, <laughs> exactly, because he was a Cowboys coach, man. Uh, Screamin' Jay Hawkins, the singer, who was wow. 70. These are all the same week. Doug Henning uh, was a TV musician. He was 52. And then R.I.P. Jim Varney, oh. who's only 50. Ooh, such a fucking shame. Remember his? He was a funny best, and I, I'm not even a big fan of Ernest going to camp oh, or saving Christmas. That's insane. I still think Jim Vardy was hilarious. Then yeah. do yourself a favor and look up that clip of him doing Shakespeare in the Ernest outfit. 
it's fucking nuts. <laughs> like that guy was wow. really talented, and yep. I, I love. I just it always sticks in my head because I watched that like e true Hollywood story about Jim Varney. And he's like, uh, like, hey, man, maybe you shouldn't drink whiskey every night and smoke four packs of cigarettes a day. And he's like, well, I'm part, I'm half Irish, half Cherokee. What choice do I have? Uh, Glug, drag, um, cancer, baby. <sighs> took uh, took our Jim Varney, who to me, it's that's one of those things that like I feel like there's a better timeline out there with Jim Varney still mm-hmm. in it that I'd like to visit. Mm-hmm. He was the one really where good. Steven Seagal's not a bad guy. Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They live together. And uh, with all of that morose news out of the way, uh, we get to talk about who was born during this period of, mm. of the week. Uh, of the of the, this week. Yes, Diana, it's time for the birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding dong goodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, birthday, oh, birthday quiz. We have someone. Oh, God bless her. Turn in 40. Person I, I like quite a bit. Okay. Um, I would say she is the first crush of a lot of nerds. Oh. Felicia Day. Well, that's a fair guess. God, um, God damn it, I not, how, not sure how old she is. But anyway, born February 12th, 1980 in Santa Monica. Mom was a model and dad was a drug counselor and a primal scream therapist. Oh, oh, oh. It's... Oh, oh fuck. It's from... Ooh, if I say it's going to give yeah, it away. Yeah, tell me who it's from. I'll help you. Okay. I still... This still counts if this is right. No. Uh, okay. From Mad Men. Christina Hendricks? Yes. I win. Maybe. No. Oh! oh That's very dramatic for me not Flo, the progressive right. girl? She's in Mad Men. <laughs> oh. You know? She's going to make her film debut later in 1990, but if I tell you what it is, I'll give it away too much. So we've talked about a ton of movies she's in. Let's start with Bastard Out of Carolina, New York, I Love You, and Afterlife. Hmm. Anna Paquin. I know Bo Bridges is in Bastard Out no. of Carolina. Um, That's a pretty good guess, actually. Uh, about... Kirsten you want some more? Yes. No. Again, these are good guesses. Mm-hmm. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Desert Blue, and 200 Christina cigarettes. Ricci. It is Christina yes. Ricci. Yes. In Sarah's face, the winning streak oh. continues. I'm worse. <sighs> and we also talked about Small Soldiers, Penelope, Speed Racer, Ice Storm, Buffalo 66, Opposite of Sex, which she's wonderful in, Pecker, Ditto, Sleepy Hollow, and Black Snake, Moan, Fucking Yes, and That Darn Cat. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yes. And she'll make her film debut in 1990 in Mermaids. Oh, right. We'll talk about that soon. Yay, right. I can't wait to talk about that. Oh. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, it's fun. Um, it's not that I don't like share movies, but my dad was obsessed with Moonstruck. And we watched ah, it over yeah. and over and over again. So I associate her with, with uh, forced viewings. And, mm. and, and, uh, and yes, thank you very much once again to our patrons. Patreon.com slash laser time. Last week's bonus time, again, a little morose, but it was worth doing. I think. Um, but this week, up and up. It's all about things that aren't streaming on Disney+. Disney Plus. There's a lot of stuff <laughs> in Disney's graveyard, and I know where all the bodies are buried. And things they don't want you to see. Things they don't want you to know about. Yes. Let's see what a bunch of white men animating in a 17-minute short about how to menstruate. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> and like, <laughs> uh, I've always wanted to menstruate, but I don't know how. <laughs> First of all, you're going to need a menstruation toolbox. That's what you're going to need. Put a tarp down. And... Pretty much. First, you take this belt. Put it around your waist. Put a tarp down. Yes, pads used to be held to your body with a belt, everyone. Really? Yes. Yep. So like a diaper. A belt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a belt with little clips on it. it kind of look like jumper cable clips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah. like a jock strap, Sexy. but for ladies. 
Like you, you show a little bit of that stuff on the side of the road to get get that hitchhiking action. Sure. Yeah. Ooh, I can see your pad clips. <laughs> <laughs> Meow. See, this is why you tune in for the end of the show, people. Uh, but thank you very much for listening. Uh, again, check out Laser Time Oscar Time this week. We, everyone you're hearing right now worked very, very hard on it. Um, seriously, it's one of the longest shows we've ever done. We're going to close out with a little Mr. Chris Hammer. That is not what MC stands for. <laughs> MC Hammer's You Can't Touch This, which, man, I I can I know the lyrics to everything on Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Them. Wow. Uh, I, I, someday I, I want to see if I can put that, like to to put that to the test. I'd like to put that to the test. Yeah. That's why we pray. Pray. That's why we pray. We got to pray just to make it today. <laughs> oh, I feel that. Yeah, it's a little messagey. Uh, but uh, you can't touch this. An indelible hit featured recently in this month's superb owl. This right, this month that'll that covers us for a long time. God, I'm good at this. Uh, all right, everyone, I'm done talking. I'm tired. Bye. Touch this. You can't touch this.